Ashoka Precious Cargo is a D&D homebrew campaign with violent themes and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Aloha, Kako friends. Welcome to Mayday Roleplay. My name is Eli and I will be your dungeon master for today. We want to thank you for joining us for our first playcast of the year set in my homebrew world of Ashoka. We also want to let you know that we are on Twitch now, creating awesome content such as Mondays with Aaron at the Sheep Farm. On Tuesdays, Sergio leads us through the Ironlands in Iron Sworn Eye of the Storm. And on alternate Wednesdays, Leg teaches us some history and some heroes you should know. We got a couple of one-shots available, as well as a three-part debrief of our first campaign, Delta Green, Doomed to Repeat, which are now available on VOD and wherever you get your podcasts. If you love and want to support us here at Mayday, please be sure to subscribe to us on Patreon. There you'll get access to our Discord channel, as well as perks like artwork from Zakia and music from Aaron. The rest of the cast will be introduced throughout this narrative. And if there's nothing else to discuss, why don't we get started? This is Mayday Plays Precious Cargo. Welcome to Ashoka. The year is 937 AF. The events that broke this continent apart remains a mystery that is only known to and referred as Old Ashoka. But from these broken pieces, two strong empires thrive. To the south and east, the pillars of Old Ashoka Oda now. The beastmen have always been here before the cracking during the time of elves. They are the hearth of wild magic and the fey wilds that have regrown. Under the protection of the king and the three isle lords, Oda now remains. To the north and west, the young warmongers of Ashoka, Sasan, battle-hardened men, conquerors of the Leukemian Empire. For 300 years, Sasan has sought to unify this scattered archipelago under the Torch Queen's rule, and for 300 years, they have failed. This stalemate brokered the Treaty of Tides in hopes to flourish an era of stability, and 100 years now, peace has been the order of things. But when the fires of conquest burns in one's soul, what room is left for peace? But our story, like many stories in Ashoka, begins on a boat. In the northern parts of the border isles, the air is still. A fog clings to an unmoving sea. An Odenauan wayfaring canoe juts through the calm, double hull with a platform that straddles between. A single crab claw sail full of wind looms over a small hut and a large steering oar and pulley to adjust the sails to catch current at its rear. On the helm, a weary traveler nears his destination. Caleb, can you introduce your character and describe him? Yes, uh, I can. Uh, my name is Anchor. I'm a, a weary traveler, like you said. I, I'm dressed in scarves sashes, belts, and billowing uh, materials all over. I have a sort of nomadic dress about me, like someone who's come from uh, jungles and deserts all, all over uh, through different travels. Um, 
I'm about six foot four, well conditioned, a strong, brawny warrior, uh, with a club at my back. Um, uh, I have dark brown skin and noble features. Uh, I'm a man who's come a long way to be here, and I'm I'm sh uh, sailing my ship. I'm getting back behind that oar and and making way for my destination. Roll me a perception check. So that's a big fat uh, 12. You lock the, the steering oar in its place as you kind of step out onto the platform to kind of take a look around your surroundings, kind of peering into this, this fog. Um, eventually you finally see the marker head for your destination. It's actually a large boulder that's kind of bobbing in the middle of this ocean. It's got carvings marked into it that kind of look like a lotus blossom or a flower of some kind, but you know that that's the, the, the marker head noted on your map for the arrival of Tengu Atoll. You know Tengu Atoll is an island that is a recessed in the cove of a dying volcano. Its wide craggy ring of steep mountain wraps around, creating a narrow passage in and out, aiding both in defense against enemies and unsavory storms that come from further north up from the maelstrom known as Dalma. You know that entering into this area requires a little less speed than you have, so you look up to your masthead and you notice that even though that there's no wind around you, that your sails are full of air and, and wind like it is a, a breezy day. You approach the masthead and you notice that on the masthead itself, there is a, a ring of like dreadic ruins that are illuminated that go all the way to the top of the, of the sail. And when you kind of bring your attention back down, you go, to, you see uh, in the middle of the masthead a slot and in that slot, a talisman stone. You know this as being a sailor in and traveling on Odenauen vessels. This is what's called the gust stone. Travel throughout this archipelago requires a level of speed that simple sailing traditionally doesn't quite cut it. So the druids of Odenau created these gust stones as a way to quicken travel and is used on various types of ships. What do you do? Um, I, th I think I'm going to reduce my speed like we were talking, you know, um, maybe manipulate the, the gust stone if that's a possibility to bring myself into a landing in this sort of a cove of Tengu Atoll. I had a question about sure. the, the gust stones. Is this the sort of thing that you have to uh, regenerate? Um, you go to the slot and you pull the stone, and as soon as you pull the stone, instantly the uh, the illumination of ruins kind of like pull back into its place, and the sail just kind of starts to deflate as there's no longer air in it, and you're, you start to slow down. As you pull the stone, you see that there are like cracks forming around it. You know that these stones have to be often replaced as they only have so many charge, and over time of using those charges, the stone will eventually crack and fall apart. Um, looking at the stone, you probably have maybe two to three days left as you've been using this throughout your most of your journey from your original destination. But it's easy enough to traverse through this narrow passageway as you kind of become engulfed in darkness. And eventually on the other side, you see Tengu Atoll. Uh, it's a very small island, but it, it's kind of stacked up amongst itself. And you see um, now that the uh, that you've passed through this tunnel, the, the sky is no longer foggy as it's opened up to a, a, a level of dusk as it's about five or six o'clock in the evening. As you see like stretches of blue and purple and pink and orange as the sun is setting in the, in the west. It takes you a while 
um, because as you continue through the bay, you notice that there's a lot of boats that are kind of docked out in the middle of the bay, as well as around the, the main docking area. And as you're continuing to kind of pass through all of these ships, you see like firecrackers popping off into the sky as they're bursting and illuminating, casting down. And you hear like drums and festival music and loud crowds and commotion. And you know that it's about midsummer. And during this time, especially in now, it's the celebration of the Fang Festival. The Fang Festival is a time of year to pay homage to the, the Feywilds and to the natural world and to the deities of Ashoka. And people often dress up in masks and, and clothing to kind of celebrate these, these beings that live and thrive amongst these people. Tengu Atoll is home to the last, one of the last remaining colonies of the Lukeman people. And they are um, put, been pushed out of their crown lands over the years of being under the rule of Sasan. And they've been essentially left to their own devices on these craggy, sinking islands. But they've requested a help of an assistance of some kind, and that's what you're here for. Eventually, you find a place to dock. Um, it's more towards the back end uh, where more of the fishermen ships are. And uh, as you're tying up your boat, you see uh, a harbor master who's kind of approaching you uh, with a ledger in hand. He's a Lukeman. He's about seven feet tall. He's portly. He's wearing fancy festival type robes, but you can obviously tell that uh, he doesn't wear this often as he's kind of like tight around the middle section. Uh, he's kind of got flushed cheeks. He's got a flat nose, flushed cheeks, and just a whole bunch of just curly, dark brown hair. Um, but he eventually approaches you uh, and he throws out his arms and he says, welcome to Tengu Atoll and happy Fang Festival. Before he approaches, I for sure, I bring up my head wrap to cover my face and everything just because I don't want to um, give any uh, reputation before I actually speak. And then once he welcomes me, I turn to him and I say, oh, uh, thank you. Uh, it's so good to be here. Uh, happy Fang Festival. He nods at you and um, he says it'll be uh, three silver to uh, dock your boat here per night. Do you tend to stay long or are you passing through? Are you here for the festival? Uh, yes, the festival. Uh, I also have come to speak with your, your dignitaries, the, the man in charge, but that will come along with the celebrations. But yes, I, I can give you the silver. I have some in my pouch over here. I had a question for you. Do you sell gust stones here on the hotel? Uh, he nods. He's like, yes, we, we should have some in the markets. Um, it's easy enough to find. You said you were here to, to meet someone? Yes, I... I have this note I've been given. Uh, I'm to meet with the leadership of this island. He, like, kind of gestures to, like, holds his hand out to see the, the letter. Yeah, I I mean, I'm imposing enough that I don't think he's going yeah. to do anything about it, so I okay. definitely, I'll hand it over. He, he kind of reads over the letter, and he, he kind of looks you over as he goes back between the letter and you. I don't think that Anchor has a sort of intimidating presence. He's big. But he's sort of slouched over, not mm -hmm. great in the posture, and sort of bending in on his uh, club, just sort of waiting for the guy to, like, come on, dude, it's the DMV, please get me through this. He eventually hands the letter back to you, and he kind of turns his head back, and he calls out in Ekesian to somebody, and eventually one of the uh, Lukeman guards shows up. He's a, like a lanky, younger, much younger guy, very, very thin, wearing just simple leather armor, and, and the, both of them are exchanging something in Ekesian to each other, and then the harbor master finally looks back to you. This is Ro. He will lead you to where you need to go to meet uh, whoever you're intending to meet. 
and he'll be happy to lead you through the markets, and you can require any uh, anything you need along along the way. Perfect. I, I thank you for your hospitality. I, I welcome that. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, what is this festival all about? It's, it will be my first celebration, oh. honestly. You must be from Sasan then. Uh, I'm a traveler. <laughs> I I'm nomadic. I'm all over, but I I rarely stop long enough <laughs> to celebrate. So. This will be my first. Well, the, the Fang Festival is just a, a great time of year, around the longest days of the of the summer. It's just a, a time to celebrate the, the earth beneath us, the the gods that look over us and watch over us, and uh, the Feywild and the magic that just lives and breathes alongside us here. So this is a, an opportunity to give thanks, to have fun before the, the harvest and uh, into the, the colder parts of the year. Well, thank you for the information. Is there any customs I should be aware of? I, I was a part of a holiday once where pinching was involved and I had no idea and I was taken by surprise. He looks very confused at you. Um, as long as you're not causing any trouble, you should be fine. There are many things and many delightful things that you can partake here at, at the Fang Festival. I don't think I've caused trouble in my entire That's life. That's good. <laughs> I don't think you have to well, worry about that. Well, we'll we'll take you on your way. I must attend to other matters, and you have a very good evening. The same with um, you. He walks off, and eventually Ro kind of just like gives you just a nod as you guys continue on through this dock area. Um, it's a pretty wide dock that stretches around the rim of this of this atoll. It's got there's there's just tapestries of tents and some uh, here of bustling of some levels of markets down here by the dockside. Um, there's a, a lot of different things going on. There are like tattoo makers in tents who are uh, who are stretching out skin and tapping with, uh, with ink and uh, and what looks like fishbone to the leg of a person who's hiding his face as he's laying on his belly. There are various gambling games going about. Cards being thrown down, dice being rolled. Anchor, you pass one of these particular stalls and what you hear is the the skittering and the scattering of scaly feet. Um, as you kind of peek through and you notice just a, like a tail just like flacking up as you see a group of five people. Four of them look the same, like they belong in like a group or a tribe together. They have the same similar leathers and hide that some of the travelers in the northern parts of uh, Ashoka tend to wear. But across from them, you see a woman with very interesting eyewear as you're passing through. Uh, Zakia, can you introduce your character and describe them really quick? Yeah, so uh, Kenny is short. She has brown skin, but sort of, it's a little bit less saturated. She's wearing like this large, almost like sort of a coat, but it's a little bit softer and it hangs off of her shoulders. And she has a sort of like black strappy top underneath. Um, she also has this gold mask that almost looks like, <laughs> like wires reaching around her face and like curling up on her forehead and forming this sort of ornate pattern, but you can't see her, her eyes at all. Um, she also, I, if she's participating in this game, she is smiling and you can see she has a wonderful, probably half inch gap in um, between her front teeth. Oh, sorry, Jesus. Um, she has um, two bantu knots and long braids going down, but the top is completely shaven off. Kenny, you have a yellow lizard. 
It's got a, a, a wide, flappy what? collar that's kind of wrapped around its neck. As it's running through this course, it's kind of running on both feet as it's kind of just folding its legs over back on top of each other. It's racing against uh, four other lizards. One's a paunchy, stouty-looking uh, black lizard. One's a thin, uh, horned blues lizard. One's a tiny, dragon-looking lizard. And another slender, almost liz- uh, newt-like-looking uh, purple lizard. And they're all racing down the track. Yours is currently in the lead. Can you roll me a d4? A four. A four. Nice. Your lizard hits a bend and it just slides effortlessly as the other four kind of crash into each other as yours kind of slowly starts taking the lead uh, with the, the purple slender lizard slowly behind as it kind of jumps over the rest of the pack and just continues right behind it. Uh, roll me one more d4. <laughs> We've got drift in this it game. It drifted? It drifted. Uh, another four. <laughs> oh fuck, that's excellent. Wow. Um, the last bit of this track is just a series of just like up and down bumps. Your lizard just uh, with its long legs just kind of jumps over each mound as a sl- purple lizard is kind of just right behind, but yours manages to skid right across the finish line as first as everybody around you starts to cheer and loud as the four other ones are just kind of slamming their tickets down on the ground, very upset. <laughs> In the pot, you got about 75 pieces of gold from this. On top of that, on top of that, one of the other one of the other men in the group who was uh, betting against you also put down a strange deck of cards in the pot as well. You pick up this leather this leather uh, uh, card deck and you see the um, like laced around the edges symbols and ruins that of uh, the conjuration symbol. Mm-hmm. As you're like looking over this this deck of cards, you are approached by the four men who were with you. The one who seems to kind of hold held himself up as a leader is a, a human man. Um, he's got gray, a uh, thick gray beard and, and dark green eyes. Uh, he's uh, his skin is sun worn, like that he's been out at sea for for many many years, and he's got a very unhappy look on his face. And he asks you, now a win's a win, and a and it's all fair when all said is done, but I was really hoping that I was going to win that pot and I could don't really want to give up that deck of cards. It's a it's kind of a family heirloom, it's kind of important to to me. Would you mind maybe we exchange it or That's weird. I'll give you gold for you it, I'll put pay it for in it. the pot like you were willing to to gamble it. it that, did anyone force you? I didn't see anyone do that. It was voluntary. Well, no one, f- no one forced me. But I thought it was a sure win. Well, I voluntarily won, so it's voluntarily mine. I think. Ooh. Did I get it wrong? Did I get the rules wrong? Did anyone? Are there new rules? And she asks everyone. He realizes that a scene is being made, and he says, Now, just one more time, if we could exchange it for, I could give you more money for it, just would mean the world to me. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. The thing is, we did already agree on the game before we started playing. Now, if you would, you could buy them back from me in a, in a separate transaction, but uh, for now it's mine. Now, irrelevant. How much did you pay for this? You said it was a family heirloom, so probably a lot. 
just interest and over time the way value works. So yeah. what? Forty-five gold pieces. Forty-five mm-hmm. gold pieces. Yes. They all. He like looks amongst the others, and they kind of look at him as if they've just spent all their gold betting on this mm-hmm. race. Perhaps we'll see you a little bit later throughout the festival. Maybe your mood of might course. change, and maybe luck will be a little bit more on my side. I've already earned so much money here today. Who knows how much money you'll earn throughout the rest of it? Right. As he starts to slowly kind of back off, kind of still eyeing you, like trying to remember the, the face as he eventually dips off into the market. Roll me a perception check, Kenny. 14. Um... After that, just little bit of a scene, you kind of straighten yourself up and pocket your gold and this this deck of cards. Um, and then you just start to kind of continue to wander out through this dock area of, of, of Tengu. In the artisan part of this city, there are various merchants and artists that are making things. There are painters painting stuff. There are porcelain makers who are building figurines. In a Tucked away in a corner, more for like a, a kid's paint art and easel uh, setup. That is, there's two younger kids who are kind of taking these uh, paws that look like little squids and like squeezing them out onto onto uh, the little canvas and then kind of painting it around. On the opposite side of it is a, a tall turtle who's just squeezing paint onto a canvas and 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 running his hand on the canvas. Uh, Sergio, can you introduce your character and uh, describe him? For sure. Uh, I'm Sergio and I am playing Rad. Rad is a turtle, but he looks more like a sea turtle to be exact. His coloration and, and kind of de- size and demeanor. He's about 6'2", though. He's very tall for a turtle. And if someone were to weigh him, he probably is over 200 pounds, closer to 300 pounds, but it's mostly muscle and and the big shell on his back, but Rad's got a big smile on his face. He's loving it. He's got all his fingers covered in paint and like these kids is uh, just trying to make the most colorful uh, canvas he can. Um, He has a a bandolier, like a leather bandolier across his chest. Uh, It seems to be full of pockets that are full of things. Uh, Spiked into the sand behind him is an eight foot tall longboard, a surfboard (laughs) that he's obviously put there while he's in the middle of painting. And he has like a puka shell necklace and some bracelets and anklets that have different eccentric shells on them that you might not necessarily see on the the shoreline. But yeah, he's got a very chill demeanor. And you know, as he's doing it, he's looking at some of the other paintings and be like, jaw, looks good, dude. And he's just kind of going all over the canvas. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Thank you so much. What a gift. <laughs> Rad, roll me a perception check. Rad, man. <laughs> uh, that's a two. Ooh, damn. <laughs> I'm just really into these finger paints. Yeah. You're so into the finger paints that you don't notice a leukemian guard as well as a human-looking man in wraps passing through the marketplace as Anchor is continuing his way. Eventually, as you're just focused on your painting, uh, whatever it is that you're drawing on your canvas. I'll say that, like, yeah, I'll say that I, I, I finish it, like, not even really thinking. And when I pull my hands back, it's like, it's a wave, like a giant tsunami wave. But there's this kind of malicious looking face in the center of it. And even I kind of appear surprised by it. Like, oh, cool, I did. 
as you're caught as you're caught up in that for a second you get a feeling that you're being watched by something when you kind of like look around you notice that there's a small tabaxi boy just looking up at you he's he looks like a little panther got big blue eyes and he's just kind of staring up at you kind of sheepishly like taking in your your height and your size and then he finally asks you are you a pirate uh <laughs> one thing, one thing I failed to uh, explain is that uh, Rad actually has an eye patch, like a black leather eye patch that kind of wraps around his head. And I guess he kind of looks around and says, "Wouldn't you like to know, little dude?" <laughs> My God. Well, and then, like, it, I guess I would, I would look around to see uh, if anyone is directly looking at me besides the Tabaxi. Um, if you're looking around, you notice that there is a smaller, other Odinawan kid with him, who's kind of peeking over the easel shyly. It looks like a little a boar kid. He's got like little tiny tusks that are like lipping over his mouth, kind of like looking, but he sees that you're, you've like kind of met eyes for a second. He kind of just like tucks it away. I'm, I'm, if they're the only ones really looking, I'm just gonna have a good time with them and I'm gonna take my eye patch and just flash real quick what's underneath it and then immediately drop it and just see what the reaction is. <laughs> roll, roll me an intimidation check. Okay. <laughs> That's much better. What is uh, better? It's a 17. It's a 17? Okay. As you flash your eye, the Faxi's kid's face just kind of grimaces in unexpected, like, surprises. He did not expect to see what he saw in there as he kind of, like, his ears kind of fold back as he kind of just, like, slowly backs away. As he's backing away, I re- I realize I'm getting the reaction I didn't want. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't make you cry, dude. I, I didn't make you cry. And he's, like, he's reaching over for his friend and they're both, like, start to, like, turn around and scamper off into the market. Very scared. Yeah, before anybody notices, I'll probably get up and take my painting and walk away. You you take your painting, you grab your board, and you kind of try to shift off into the to the deeper into the art market. And as you're doing that, like once you've kind of settled back into a, a steady pace, you start to feel this itching sensation underneath your eye, and it starts like on the lower eyelid, and eventually it kind of starts to sting, and it starts to then like slowly burn. You know that feeling, and it almost makes you want to like take that eye patch out because he wants to see what you're seeing. What do you do? I'm worried that if I just, if I let him see what I see, people aren't going to be happy. So I think what I'll do is I'll try to find like a, like a torn bit of canvas or like some useless piece of fabric. (laughs) And I'm going to like wrap that side of my head up a little bit so that it can't really be seen, but I want to try to leave a little bit of a hole and then I will open up the, the, uh, the eye patch so that I can see using that eye, but no one can really see that eye. It's kind of, it's going to okay. be a little hidden. That's easy enough to do. You find some, some cloth that you have on your persons, you kind of wrap up your face, uh, and you leave just <laughs> enough space for you to kind of, just a tiny slit that you can just barely look out of. Um, it's a little uncomfortable. I probably look like a leper or something. Yeah, but... a little bit. Roll me one more perception check. Okay. Oh, this dice needs to go to bed, I think, already. Early bedtime. That's a six. Okay. Um, as you, you finally finish up that wrapping, you smell the faint smell of pie. Oh. Your favorite kind of he's pie. He's going right for the pie, yeah. for sure. As you start to f- walk off. Squid pie? Squid pie, sure. 
Yeah, you start walking off into that, towards that direction of that smell. Eventually, there is a, a large food market area where that's where the hub of like all of this food is being made. There's different types of cuisines being cut. There's fish, there's meats, there's, there's vegetables, there's flames of going up in different various booths as things are being passed around and ordered out. A band <laughs> of bars are walking through this food eatery area and are playing just a loud song uh, as they're proceeding through. As they turn a bend, they cross the paths of a golden-colored dragonborn who kind of winces at the sounds of their horns as they start blaring around the corner. Amanda, can you introduce your character and uh, what they look like? My name's Amanda and I'm playing Snooball. Uh, seven foot, five inch dragonborn. She has, think of it like golden, kind of almost like reflective metallic skin. Uh, pure black monk robes. Very simple uh, form fitting on the, uh, so it's not really billowy, it's pretty. It is on her uh, person pretty well, but she will have <laughs> white belt, white cup over her uh, her forearms, and uh, any kind of accents that are like on the stitching and all that, that is also white. She has actually a copper braid, very long copper braid, very oriented, all the way that actually goes down past her waist. And in that, in the braids, you will find little Again, little white markings, little jewelry, but you will see almost like a very heavy brass ring at the end of it. So it is, it is definitely shows a stasis, if you will, a status, if you will. Also, kind of a weapon. Like she is, uh, I would say, her eyes are very clouded over with white and black kind of swirls going around. So, uh, and that is smooth off. Roll me a perception check. Twenty-one. You kind of hurry past this this parade of loud uh, of music. You kind of wince, and it, it hurts. It almost mm-hmm. seems like it hurts your eyes. But you walk past them. You first notice as you continue to walk down that this part of the market area it runs a, a long mm-hmm. canal. This canal ha- is fairly wide, about uh, almost like 15 mm-hmm. to 20 feet across. And there's various boats that are kind of parked up against the side. As there's a small lane that of people that are pouring through this area. Seems like where they're how they deliver uh, foods or, or uh, other things up and down this, this stretch of uh, area. And eventually, as you're looking around, you see uh, a pie-eating contest beginning to start as you see various people, including a turtle, the long surfboard that's kind of stuck in the back as a pie is being set down in front of him. But the next thing you hear is just this light, uh, drolling bell. And it sounds pleasant, and it's very attractive, and it's just is like dinging at you, and it, it almost seems to kind of call you. Uh, I will I'm gonna go ahead and uh, follow towards that sound. And, and while I'm doing it, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna walk uh, like I would say it would almost look stiff. This is one of the few times that she would actually start to like glide a little bit like she like her shoulders are moving with the bell's rhythm. So you follow the cadence and that the temple of the of that bell as you kind of sway gracefully between people. Uh, eventually on the on the opposite side of where you were standing is a small cart and it looks like a man who has various like little ice cream cones and like a, a box that looks f- and feels fairly cold. Um he waves you down and greets you. He's got a very thick mustache and a little tiny hat. Um, he's like a, a, a halfling. He's got little p- puffs of gray hair that kind of spouts off to the sides mm-hmm. between his little hat. And he's and he asks, would you like an ice cream? 
Apologies, um, I'm so sorry. W- w- what is ice cream? You've never, you've never heard of ice cream before? As he just like starts to just like pluck a cone from the front of his card as he just d- dives deep into it and he starts putting this very cold scoop of, of white ice cream and then he puts another scoop on top. Can I actually, I would like to look into him. If you, uh, Eli, if you know what I'm talking about, I want to actually sure. look into him. To the soul of the ice cream man. The <laughs> soul of the ice cream man. <laughs> as he, uh, as he's like generously scooping these ice cream, uh, scoops onto your thing, uh, you peer into him and you, in your mind, you start to see a golden scale and you see that one end of the scale is, is kind of starting to teeter higher on the left side over the right as there's about maybe three or four coins mm. on, on the opposite side and a whole stack in the other. Okay. Okay. Uh, you kind of zap out of it as he like thrusts this ice cream cone into your face and he's like this is on the house you have to try ice cream. it is truly a delight uh, I, I need to know let me know how you think about it as he kind of puts his hand over uh, his uh, his chin over his hand anticipating you trying this uh is gonna kind of tilt her head almost like a dog like was curious and then kind of let a, a, a soft grin but because she has very sharp teeth it may come off more intimidating than anything she'll uh go ahead and grab uh the scoop uh the cone of ice cream and she's gonna go ahead and take a tentative lick and then go yeah. <laughs> like kind of a growl like that and then she's just gonna go ahead and like <laughs> this is uh, <clears throat> I apologize. I've never, never had. Stuff. It's okay. It it happens. It happens to everyone. You you you, you have yeah. to keep making this forever. And and I'm gonna go ahead and like pull out. I'm gonna reach into my pocket, and I'm gonna go ahead and give him a gold coin as a gesture of thank you. And I'll go ahead and. Oh. Walk away. <laughs> he takes it and he nods. And just, and you're just gonna walk off with your ice oh, cream cone? I'm, I'm, I'm like content. You, like this is the most content you'll see. She's going to, like ice cream and then the teeth licking, smearing. It's on the snout, y'all. Like she's like, the, the, she she's she's almost kind of like do, doesn't know how to react to it. This is the first time she's trying this, so she's like, <laughs> just like. And then she licks too much and, and gets like a, a little a bit of a break. Please, Snowball, as you're enjoying and and downing this ice cream cone. You don't notice the tall, very tall figure that walks past you um, as you're kind of still in the mix of the crowd. Very awkward standing person is just kind of sneakily trying to wander through the food court. Allegra, can you introduce Shoti and and describe them? So Shoti is a very tall, very like gangly thin Goliath person. They have um, they have all their clothes don't really look like they fit. Um, some of them are like too big in the sense that they're too thin to fill them out, but too small in the sense that they are too short to, uh, fit their long limbs. So they look, their clothes are a little awkwardly hanging on them. Pretty dark clothes. Um, they've got bright blue eyes, kind of like a 
taupey, purpley, heather skin. And their hair, which is pretty, it's pretty long. And it looks kind of matted and kind of clumped together and dark little, like, speckles near the roots of lighter color. They, uh, on top of their head, they've got a headband with buttons on either side. And on, like, hanging off of one of the buttons is a little piece of fabric that's got a hole on the other end. So you think that they could probably pick it up and put it across their face as a mask if they wanted to. But they don't have it on right now. Um, and they've got a, like a, their, their, their skin has a few like lighter puckered areas that look like burn scars almost. Uh, roll me a perception check. All right. Oh, shiny dice. Let's save this one. Um, 20. You're walking through this food court. You pass by this golden dragonborn who is just licking, covered in cream, just enjoying this two scoops of thick ice cream. As you continue through, as you're clinging to the shadows in this food court, a burst of like fire comes from this one booth that kind of illuminates you a little bit in the shadow and it kind of fades away. You notice something very familiar, something you don't really want to see. You see two two tall men in dark robes that cascade all the way down to the floor. Like you don't see their hands, you can't see their feet, and it almost gives the appearance that they're gliding. They have a tall black brim hat that kind of also obscures their overall appearance as they kind of walk tandemly together down one of the hallways and kind of turns a corner almost effortlessly um, and out of sight. You know them to be the Magistari. The Magistari are one of the wizards found in Parlis in Sasan. They are like a secret sect of uh, mage users, of those who truly choose to go deeper into the study of magic of the arcane within Sasan. And they're very dangerous. I'm going to pull in a an abrupt about face and try to uh, sneak my way literally any direction they're not going. I'm gonna, like pull okay. my sleeves down as far as, as far as I can and put my put my little mask over my face and pull my hair over my shoulder in the little clumps that it's in. Roll me a stealth check. An eleven. You're going time out too. Yeah. You kind of push yourself into the shadows. You think you're well hidden. But you are very tall and you're very gangly and you yep. can be a little bit yep. noticeable. So occasionally someone might peek their head over. But earlier in the day towards the artisan market, there is a, not a very tall man, but a man in a black hat and a duster. And he's walking through the market. Aaron, can you introduce Trig and what he is, looks like? My name is Tucker Triggerfinger <laughs> Johnson. But most people just call me Trig. Uh, I have a, uh, currently covered from neck to toe uh, in a long black leather trench coat. And it looks like there's a bunch of objects kind of protruding out from his person underneath. He has a tall cowboy hat on that's pitch black with a slick of dark hair kind of hanging out over over the front, over his eyes, he has this pattern of black paint that runs across in a bar and goes up onto his forehead. He has a, a little toothpick hanging out from his from his mouth that he occasionally just like takes out and kind of taps a little bit and puts back in. Uh, and he has a bunch of uh, deep red scars on his face that look like slash marks from like monsters and knives and looks like a, a tough, uh, tough, rough and tumble looking guy. Uh, roll me a perception check. Perception check. <laughs> <laughs> Math. <laughs> 
Perception, perception. That is going to be a 15. 15. As you're as you're looking through the different stalls and uh, shops uh, of this artisan market, something catches your eye. It's a tiny porcelain dragon. It's green in color. It's oh got a golden underbelly, and it's got little clouds. I'm walking right up to it. I walk right up to the booth, and I'm looking down at it, and I'm just, I, I look up, and is there a shopkeeper? Yeah, as you are, are like putting your hands out to it, and you look up, there's a, a dwarven woman with uh, red braided hair that's tied up in a bun, who's like kind of holding a porcelain-like unicorn that she's painting currently, as she notices your your entrance into her, her stall. I just kind of like snake one hand down into like the trench coat, and I'm looking for my coin pouch, and I pull it out, and while I'm pulling it out, I just say, how much for the dragon? She looks it over and she says, a gold? Take a gold for it. Done. Slap it down on the table. Okay. Thank you very much, ma'am. And I take the little dragon and I'm going to try to find like a little piece of extra like cloth. Pull like the bandana out from like around my neck. And I'm just going to wrap it up in that. And I'm going to try to tuck it away as safely as I possibly can on my person. <laughs> as you're as, as you're stuffing that that dragon into your bag, um, you hear a woman scream, uh, a woman screaming for help um, down just a little bit further down the way. And as soon as I deposit my new treasure, I hear the cry for help, and I'm booking in that direction as fast okay. as I can. Um, as you, like, round that corner and you're walking through that, you, you do notice a woman trying to flag somebody down as she's pointing further down the way, and she's like, somebody stole my purse down the street. And as you see, like, this hooded uh, little uh, row kind of darting between uh, the crowd. I'm gonna cast Zephyr Strike, and I'm charging <laughs> at him full speed. Trigger <laughs> finger. Oh, and I can make an attack. I can make an attack at the end of Zephyr Strike, so I'm gonna pop him in the foot <laughs> as I run. Roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Roll that attack. Hashtag less chaotic. Natural <laughs> 20. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I forgot to say Fuck. sharpshooter, but that's fine. Um, oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Roll me that damage. Alrighty. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna make this a disarming attack to try to knock the bag out of his hand, if that's okay. Okay. Less that's chaotic. gonna be 18 points of damage and he has to make a DC 14 strength saving throw where he drops the bag. As you're standing there and you you see the woman pointing and you see the the darting of this creature, you just book it. And as you book it, you just pick up with tremendous fucking speed that just kind of weaves through like uh, like a gust of fucking wind as you knock into this creature, (laughs) sending it onto his feet and tumble as it tumbles ahead, the bag drops right in front of you. What you hear is like this, the the crock and the squawk of a of a little Kenku bandit <laughs> as it rolls into the ground and it hits up against something and it just goes limp. I, I spit on the ground and I say, that's what you get for being a dirty, rotten, no good fucking thief. <laughs> and I'll pick up the bag and I'll casually strut up to the woman and I'll kind of like tip my hat and say, ma'am, She's like half in tears because she doesn't quite understand the whole situation and she takes her bag and she finally says thank you. As you say thank you, you can hear the squawking and the flapping of birds scattered in the distance. Oh god. Uh, Well, hearing the birds squawking, I'm going to walk away. (laughs) You eventually just continue on your way, treasure in your bag, and a good deed done. The rest of you spend a good couple of hours enjoying the festival. Anchor, you do eventually get a gust stone for yourself as you eventually are led into the meeting place in which you've been ordered to meet at. And the rest of you as well. Did Rad, did Rad win the pie eating contest? Yes. 
The rest of you enjoying the rest of the festival, knowing that eventually towards the later part of the evening, you two also have notes um, in which a job has been offered to you in some odd way as you've found this note in your passing. As you guys are also traversing through the festival throughout the evening, you also gather masks as they are kind of casually passed out to people who haven't been, uh, who don't have any, as there are various cars that are, are tucked away on different corners. Um, Sergio, you, you got a, a crystal elemental mask, so it looks like a bunch of like diamond jutting around in like the squarish form. Ooh. Amanda, you have a, a mask that looks like a knight's helm. Zakia, you have a, a spider mask. Aaron, you have a mask that looks like a, a, a human king with a crown and little sparkly fake jewels. Well, I'll be. Allegra, you got a wolf's mask, mm. and the mask has this very crude looking smile on it, as well as six red eyes that are painted on its front. And Caleb, you got a beholder's mask, so it's just a, a creepy looking smile with a giant eye and these little tiny little pieces that stick up with like these little tiny eyes around it. So as the night progresses and it finally gets to about the time where you need to go and meet, you are eventually all led to, with mask in hand, this ornate center of the city. This seems to be kind of the most ornate part as everything else seems fairly simple, simple housing, almost shanty-like. Um, and even this is, it, it looks very run down. It looks like it's been here for generations. There's holes in some of the tiles and the patchwork. All the glass is kind of, all the stained glass is kind of been faded and, and just sun bleached over the years. But you're led into this building and then also led to a side room, which is this lower photo you guys see. And it's just this unusual looking office. It's got tapestries hanging all about, a, a desk and a table with various notes. Uh, there's bookshelves with scrolls and uh, various types of tomes and, and whatnot. Um, and it's just the, the six of you um, all been ushered into this, this room and you're waiting. On my way there, can I have like stopped at the booth or stopped one someone on the street and just leant over and asked them, "Hey, your uh, your leaders here, uh, how do they treat you?" The person looks at you and, and says, "They treat us very well. We're all a community, and we all work and live to." help each other out on this small little atoll. Why do you ask? Oh, uh, <laughs> no reason. Okay. And I'll just wink at them and, and walk away. Um, I, I also think that Rad, as he's, like, getting close, has replaced the rags that he put on his head and was, like, using the mask and, like, poked a little hole so that his other eye could see through it. But once he gets to where he knows he's gonna be meeting other people, he's just gonna kind of be talking to himself and be like, lights out, sorry, I can't be most conspicuous. So I'll lift the mask and pop the eye patch down and then enter. But I'll keep the, the mask like on the top of my head. I'll say Shodi probably left like as soon as as soon as the um, Magistari people kind of disappeared. I think Shodi just headed straight for for the for the center of town and just kinda of hung out there until until it was time. Okay. Kenny's got just, like a, a old box bag sort of strapped around her body. It's like wooden, but like whitewashed and faded. And there's small drawers on the side. She's gonna start like rearranging papers and sort of stick out as many on the top, like easily reachable, like scrolls as she can and head inside. Uh, I was gonna ask if, she, if Snooball sees everyone in that where they're all entering the same room, can she do a check on everybody? Sure. 
Yes, you can. As everybody enters into the room and you guys kind of find places to stand about, I would say Rad and Anchor, you guys are kind of towards this window that outlooks and you can see part of the bay and some of the dock areas and the eclectic amount of boats that are kind of scattered amongst. Everybody else is kind of just hugging bookshelves or just standing in the middle. Rad wouldn't necessarily say hello to Anchor, but he'd probably like look at him, give him a chin, like throw him a shaka. Like, so I think Anchor's a little confused by the, the, the shaka, but he returns it very awkwardly and says, good evening, and shakas to Snival, as you kind of hug a corner of the room and you kind of just take mm-hmm. in every single person around you, and as you kind of peer into them, again, you start to see the scales in each ev- and every person, and you're just gauging them, and you're just getting a getting a feel for, for all of them as you're kind of enthralled with that. But, uh, a few a few moments go by and eventually someone enters in the room uh, along with two Lukeman guards who uh, are accompanying him. He's a very short man. Um, Odinawan in race, he looks like an otter. Um, he's got a very circular kind of head that's kind of covered in fur with little short uh, puffy circular ears on either side of his face. He's got a large, large nose that's very flat against his face. Um, he's wearing simple robage and a sash that kind of goes over it that's silvery in color. And at his hip is a sigmentar. Those who are born in Odinau know of the druids uh, that reside in there and, and their role in shaping building Odinau itself. Druids are seen as like liaisons between the kingdom and the natural world. And they're used as advisors and in higher up uh, stations um, alongside the king, the various Odinown lords and any nobleman's house. Um, they also serve as like the hub of research throughout Odinau as many of the different circles will send uh, emissaries out into all around Ashoka to study various plant lives or ruins or anything that needs to be discovered as one of their biggest missions is to find out what has happened in old Ashoka and to uncover its mysteries. While no individual sect actually claims they are one to look to. Often it is revered that the circle of the moon is utilized as the hub of leadership and what people kind of use their guidance to kind of shape their own um, way of running things in their own circles. Um, and it appears with the with the moon symbol on his sash belt that he is a member of the circle of the moon. He adjusts the, the small spectacles that he has on his, on his nose. Um, and he gives you all a greeting and a smile, and he says, Hello there, my name is, my name is Nock. Uh, I am the emissary here on Tengu Atoll, and I assume you are all here because of the letter I had sent out into the various monasteries and factions in Ashoka. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Anchor takes the tapestry that he wears about his hip like a sash and he sets it down on the floor and then he slowly kneels to uh, both knees onto that tapestry on the floor and gives him a bow and says, "Uh, yes, I've come about the note that you've given and I assume you've given to all of us. Uh, It is a pleasure to meet you. My name is Anchor. I'm at your service. Uh, Everybody, when you hear the name Anchor, roll me a history check. (laughs) I got a 19. 
17. Somehow I got an 16. 18. 16. Oh, wow. 15 for me. Oh, wow. You have all casually heard this name, Anchor, used as like a first name, but you've only heard it in myth. There have been known people that traverse throughout Ashoka that go by this particular name doing any sort of task or deed. They are from a, a, a hidden faction known as the Order of the Ballast. But as far as all of you know, it's a myth and it doesn't exist. Uh, I think Rad would like, it'd take a minute once he says his name and then he just kind of blurt out loud, whoa, you're real, dude? Last I- I've heard of you. It is good uh, that you know me, or at least my order. I am here to serve in any capacity to the, the court of Tango Atel. I'll look to like everyone in the room and be like, is everyone part of a secret club? No. Yes, you best be watching your back. Snooball oh, is cool. gonna stay still not really acknowledge that. Are you part of a secret club? No. Do I believe him? Roll an inside check. <laughs> oh, you gotta make him do deception for that shit, man. Like, oh, you want me to roll deception. my deception? Okay, we can all call that one. <laughs> not great, 10. Ten. You get to roll. My deception is a oh, like no. a twenty during yeah, twenty. Uh, a nineteen. I mean, with the wide smile that and the casual laid backness of of his tone of his voice, you believe him. He seems very genuine about it. Right, gentlemen. Knock, knock approaches you, uh, anchor, and he kind of like ushers you to kind of get up from your your knees, and kind of says, "It's not quite necessary, but I appreciate the decorum." He turns around to you all, takes you all in for a second, trying to see who had been sent to take on this this task, this mission, and when he finally feels a little comfortable. He finally begins to relay the task in which he needs of you. And eventually he says that the matron of Tengu Atoll, the Great Toad, has passed two days ago, right before the Fang Festival. She was very old in her age and it was coming to a particular time when she was going to pass on. She, of course, was the one who proctored this task and had sent this letter out weeks ago and was awaiting the arrival of those as travel takes its time. And it's unfortunate that she will not be able to see this mission. What she wanted and what she had asked of you was to deliver a piece of cargo from here in ten Atoll to a place between Asawe and Saren known as Al Jana. Everybody roll me a history check. Oh, I got a 13. I have also a 13. Negative Marsh one. Three. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. I got an 18 and that's after rolling a 19. <laughs> Trick, did you say you got a negative one? Yeah. Trick, I don't even think you're paying, I don't even think you're quite paying attention, Trig. I think you're I think you're thinking about that <laughs> rascal in the market who was taking that lady's purse. <laughs> I'm like fingering yeah. my new, my new oh, dragon yeah. figure on like my yeah. belt. Like. Just enjoying it. But the rest of you rolled high enough to know that... No. Oh no, wait, who, who rolled? I rolled a three. Oh, you rolled a three. <laughs> Kenny, yes. as far as you know, you're not quite aware of this place called Algernon. Uh, Al <laughs> The others, especially those who come out of Oda now, know that that word is elvish in nature. You have heard of Algernon as also a myth in the way that the Order of the Ballast is. It's an island in the middle of the ocean in the South Sea, straddled between uh, the island of Saren and the island of Asawe. But as far as you know, that island also doesn't exist. It's not real. It's never been charted for the amount of travel that is traversed in that area of the world. And as far as you know, 
Elves do not exist here in Ashoka. There has been depictions of elves and there are have elves here. Full elves have never been seen in this part of the world for centuries. It's very safe to say that they don't actually exist at all. Do we know if Algernon is to the north, the south? Where, where is it in relation to Atoll? From here in Tengu, you would know that it's about south of here. South, almost southeast, um, leaning in towards Odinel in the farthest point. Rad, for some reason, audibly, like, sighs in relief. Um, maybe I'm, like, not the smartest guy in the room, but how are we supposed to go to a, an island that doesn't exist? Isn't that what the mission is, to find the place? Well, no, the mi- well, the mission is not to find the place, but to deliver it to the place. I have required the charters that will lead you to this isle. You will have a small window to be able to get there before you will miss being able to find it. At the end of summer, Algernon has been able to be seen and revealed towards that part of the world, and you'll be able to find this actual island. So you need to take this cargo, get it there by the end of summer, and um, deliver it to this island. So the island itself shifts. Shifts and it hides. What is this cargo you mentioned? As you say that, Nock kind of leans over to uh, one of the guards and speaks Ekesian, which Kenny is the only one who would be able to understand. And he says, bring them in. And in a couple of moments, a very tall Lukeman woman who's kind of dressed as like a matron with like a, a very tight headscarf and a very simple dress walks in. Um, she's a very wide woman uh, and takes up most of the doorframe as she enters. And she kind of gives a gracious nod to all of you. And then she kind of looks to her side and, and expecting somebody to be standing next to her and realizing that they're not there. She kind of like looks around. She eventually kind of like turns fully over and kind of kind of like admonishes and scolds and kind of shuffles out a very small child. This child is a Janasi. She has light blue skin and very bright, big, light blue colored eyes that are kind of like looking at you as she's kind of gripping on to the matron's uh, uh, dress and skirt. She's got very wavy hair that seems to be kind of flowing and kind of tussling about. In the center of her forehead is this dark matted color looking stone. And it seems that uh, from like her eyes, around her eyes, she has like coloring that kind of looks like a tattoo that kind of crosses down her face and towards the back. And you kind of see in like the different parts of like around her fingers and like the little bit of skin that you can see outside of her robe that she's got these colorations throughout her body from like you can see it on like her ankles. You can see it on like the tips of her fingers like that. She's covered in these markings and she's holding onto the matron's skirt as well as a tiny little pink uh, teddy bears kind of tucked underneath her uh, arm. Nock looks over and says, this is Matron Soul, and this is Baran. Baran has been a ward of uh, Tengu Atoll for about two years. We found her in the wreckage of a, of a ship that had washed upon uh, the mountainsides on the outer ring of, of Tengu Atoll. She was the only survivor of this uh, wreckage. The Great Toad decided to take her in as a ward of hers. Over the last two years, we've discovered that Buran has a very interesting story that we're still kind of uncovering. Any of you ever done any studying and may know about some of the ruins and artifacts that have been discovered in Ashoka in the last hundred years? All the time. <laughs> then you've heard of, the, of a soul render. Yeah, you got your soul renders and your meat renders and 
Give me a deception check. <laughs> that is gonna be a. That's gonna be a thirteen. Think <laughs> about a soul render. <laughs> no, no. No, sir, Why I do not. Why don't you just give us some background, just um, for, for those of us that don't? From the ruins that we have discovered of in the last hundred years, that the soul render appears to be a type of energy source of some kind. And over over the years, or, or during its history, it was cracked and fragmented and scattered across all of Ashoka. It appears that this event had happened prior to the crack, but we can't correlate if it was the source of the incident. We're not quite sure. But Baron possesses various ruins and markings about her that suggest that she might know the answers or the way to finding some of these fragments of Soul Render. And we fear that if fallen into the wrong hands, it could be devastating to the balance of the world. Which is why... Whoa. Which is why now that the now that the toad has passed, there is no protection or safekeeping for her here. And now is a time as good as any to send her somewhere that would be far safer out of prying hands. Are there people on Aljanan? Will, will someone take care of her? Yes, yes. the The elves that reside on that isle will keep her safe. I know. It seems. A bit of a shock, but the elves still exist in this world. They're just, just not where they're seen. We're going to meet elves. We're going, we're going to, elves. to see elves. Eli, I'm gonna go ahead and definitely like look into this guy and the child to see if I a believe him, but also what his real intentions are, just in case. Let me an inside check. Thirteen. Um, he seems very genuine. Um, you, you are aware of the druid circles and the sects and the oaths that they take, um, to preserve the, the higher order of Odinau and the greater good of it. Um, he seems pretty, pretty genuine about it. Rad in his mind was actually going to bring up the subject of payment, but after seeing this little Janasi girl, he just kind of feels overwhelmed, um, with emotion and he just, like if everyone's like in a, a semi-circle or something, he kind of steps forward proudly and then gets on one knee and he's facing Baran and he just says, my name is Rada Aha but most people just call me Ra. And you have my longboard and I like hold out my longboard. Uh, oh my God. I'm gonna say as he's doing that, Shodi had been going to sit on the ground and like reaching into their pouch and pulling out different seashells of different sizes and just lining them up like smallest to biggest. And then seeing Rad do that, they're gonna look at their shells and look at Rad and look at their shells and look at Rad and sort of like try and awkwardly make their way into a similar kneel, not really knowing how this works. Anchor is just immediately moved because he was already kneeling. He's so glad to be in a group that kneels. <laughs> Um, and of course, he takes his war club out and he sets it right next to the surfboard. Like, it's very ceremonial. And he says, and of course, you have the order of the ballast. Me, myself, and Rad, we will protect this place. This this woman. Meanwhile, Trick is like, well, I guess it's the thing to do. So he reaches into his pocket, pulls out a bundle of dynamite, and drops it out of his face. 
<laughs> Kenny's Kenny. gonna sit, just sit down on the floor um, and take out a piece of paper and say, you will have my full protection as soon as you sign this contract. Do you have a last name? Can you write? Are yes. you asking Baron? Do a last name? Uh, <laughs> oh my god. She kind of peeks out and, and she says something in a, in a language that you do not oh. understand. All right. Well, uh, then I turn to the matron. Do they have a last name? And can they write? Uh, actually, you know what? Um, does she is she speaking Aquan? No, she is not. Oh, she's okay. not. But no. you uh, you do speak primordial though, right? No, I no. speak uh, draconic. You can roll an intelligence check if you would like to try to see if you understand what she says. Natural oh, nice. Minus one. <laughs> yeah, minus um, one, but natural. I one. think we that's What she's kind of murmuring to um to Kenny um is just uh utter nonsense. She's about four years old. She's very small, very tiny, and she's just talking about just she's kind of just babbling and just saying little small words like like my teddy bear and, and and like um like looking at like Kenny's like little wired mask and and saying that it's like pretty and and like very shyly and then kind of tucking herself back in she says teddy grizzly mask pretty oh well thank you uh and she reaches inside and pulls like um it like a quill like a little ink bottle and pours some of it in her hand and like extends her hand so she can like put her hand in the ink. And like, she's gonna like, like model okay. putting her hand on the ink and putting it on the paper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, what's that contract there say? I wasn't aware of any extra contracts. Uh, I mean, I, you can have a contract if you want, but this is- I don't want a contract, I think you that's do. what I'm this but is. But this is between me and her. So as soon as we're done, it's, it's, just, it's just a promise of protection. Hey, you you okay with with the little lady signing a contract that she doesn't have uh, the wherewithal to know what she's signing? The, the matron steps up and and she approaches and grabs like Baron's hand before she like slaps the ink on the paper and she's like, yeah, I would actually like to know what exactly you're having this <laughs> small child signed for. I mean, I can read for. the contract if that makes it easier on everyone, but again, it's it's just to make sure that I can properly protect everyone involved. Shall I read it? Let Please. me wait for the person <laughs> piloting me to find their note. Okay. I think we all So, uh, I, and then you would write or paw print, claw print, whatever, hereby grant the provider the service pirate healer, me, full permission using traditional and or arcane methods at the pirate healer's discretion to heal those who sign the contract with the intention of avoiding permanent death. There's more, but should I, I think we covered it. Do you want going or... Yeah, is there a clause that says that she owes you something <laughs> if you heal her? Yes. Um, in exchange for the services of pirate healing, Not the client so. will supply the agreed-upon fee and harbor no malevolence, willing attempts to murder, theft, or snitch uh, toward the provider and by signing this contract consent to all agreed <laughs> methods of healing. So just don't be a jerk. Such a whole thing. Is there more? Oh, I mean, there's a clause about drowning, but it's really not that important. Oh, I can stop that. That's fine. <laughs> Great. Pirate healing? Is that 
I hope that's homeopathic. Pirate? I just tend to work for pirates. It's it's easier if you say pirate healing and not medicine or anything weird like that. If you put pirate in front of things, pirates tend to get excited about it, so. <laughs> oh, so it's like a branding thing. Exactly. See? It's exciting. Nice uh, and then she sticks out the contract a little bit more towards the four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> the major kind of looks to to knock for like assurance that this is the proper way to go and he kind of just gives her a, a reassuring nod that this is a part of the process <laughs> so the major kind of just helps her stamp her hand onto the signature side snowball's gonna like approach and be like like as everyone's focused on the child be like are you gonna provide us with a ship and materials a map if you have not traveled here with a ship, we can provide one. That should be easy enough. Um, and with all the supplies you would need for transport and travel, I'm sure you all or in some way can navigate a, a small vessel. Across I, the, across I have a ship myself. I came here on it. Oh. Uh, I'm talented enough behind an oar. Well then, we can provide, the choice is yours. We can provide you a ship or we can load your ship up with all the proper supplies. Uh, Eli, no, uh, would my ship be able to carry everyone if we... Yes, your ship is large there? enough to carry everyone. Okay. No, I, I know everyone's really emotional over this very cute little kid, but is there any kind of compensation <laughs> you can give us for this task? Well, there is a, there are things that the 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 king uh, that the colony could possibly provide you in terms of wealth, um, unless there is something else particularly that you're looking for. Uh, no, I, I just want enough money to get home to my tribe. I don't think it's much. Oh, we can even require you safe passage to what part of the what part are you heading towards? Oh, um, oh, you know, north. North, like Bunai. Yeah, yeah, around there. Okay. Oh, we can talk about it later, you know. We don't have to talk about it right now. Sure, sure, certainly. Kind of eyes you up and down. Um, can you roll me a perception check? That's a seven. You hear the two, uh, Lukeman guards murmur something to each other, um... But they don't. You you can't quite pick up what they're saying, even in occasion. Um, well, I will save your people uh, any sort of uh, putting out. I, I have a boat that I think could procure all of us and uh, uh, keep us safe in our travels. Excellent. Well, then we can first thing in the morning um, load your ship up with supplies and send you on your way and get the the proper charter. Well, shouldn't we try and leave sooner rather than later, since um, we've only got a small window of time? Summer coming to a close. I mean, it is it is evening, and it's not always the best to start a journey in the evening and at the night in the middle of the night. If you're trying to get her out secretly, though, it might be good. I'd rather not uh, sail uh, at night sure, if sure. it's preferable to everyone else. The, the seas can be dangerous that way. That makes sense. Oh, I'm sorry, I just want to be perfectly clear. Are you granting us a request if we complete this, or is it gold? I'm, I'm just confused on that one more time. In terms uh, of yes. compensation? 
well, we can give you some money for the task now, and if you return after delivering the cargo, then we can require the rest of it. Um, the safe passage for your friend and anything else you might be interested in. We only have so much money, but we can give you what you need. And all the ready supplies. I don't need no coin for helping a little lady out. I agree. I don't know much. Yeah, we, we can figure it out later once we get back. How much money do you have? <laughs> We're willing to offer at least 500 gold for the time being now. Each. And then... As a team. Together. As a team. We can work with that. Who's towards the back of the room, towards the window? Probably me. I'd probably, like, laid out my shells. Just in case, in case the small child wants to investigate any further into the room. Um, but I'm probably furthest back. Anyone else? still by the child after they signed the contract. Uh, I'm actually closest to uh, Nock, I would say. Uh, Shodi, roll me a perception check. Ooh, natural 19. So, 26. You're close to the window, so you can hear the the festivities continuing on outside. Um, the loud music, the sounds of the crowds, the ooing, the ahs, and the occasional firework that continues to pop off, pops and pops and pops. But throughout one of those moments where the firecrackers are popping off, you hear a burst that sounds just a little bit different. You recognize that being on a ship, this particular sound, as you now hear a screeching bit of metal that seems to be coming closer to you. Everybody in the room, roll me a dexterity saving throw. Amanda, please roll that at disadvantage. Yes. <gasps> you already had to do that. Do I have anything to help me now? Um, Dirty 20. I rolled an 18. 13? 9. I a 6. With disadvantage, I still got like uh, 17. Okay. I don't like no anything that's happening right now. Shit went south. Okay. Shoti, because you rolled high enough, I will allow you to do one thing so, before... This shit so, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a screeching outside the window. Yeah, you you recognize that as a familiar sound of cannon fire. Oh, I'm booking toward that kid, and I'm gonna try and just wrap her up and keep her safe. Like I'm running past all of them and just like diving. Everybody else, as you're continuing to talk to to knock and gather more information, settle your arrangements and agreement, that all of a sudden sees the form of Shoti just kind of fully erect to a seven foot tall height. Doesn't even say a word. They grab her and even tackling the matron at, at the same time when a giant loud bang abruptly crashes through the window as an explosion goes off. Those who rolled under a 19, you've been pushed off your feet and you have sustained seven points of damage Whoa. as you're knocked prone as the- That's if we failed or succeeded if or- Yeah, if you yeah. failed. Right. Do I take that running across the room? 
Yeah, you'll okay, take cool. that running across the room. But you have managed to also, Elise, yeah. buffer yourself between Baron and the Matron as this entire office has just been ripped apart from an explosion of two rounds of cannon fire that erupt on either side of the office. It's a moment as those who are knocked aground are trying to grab, gather their bearings. Anchor and Rad, roll me perception checks as you guys are getting to your feet. A 19. Nine. You guys are closest to what's left of where the window used to be. And as you kind of are slowly getting to your feet and and dusting the soot and debris off, you notice that three ships in the harbor firing off their cannons into the city. And Anchor, you recognize some of these ships as some of the ships that you had passed through on your way that were part outside of port when you entered into the city. As I'm like, as Rad is like stumbling up, he just says, Anchor, what the heck just worked us, man? A cannon fire. There's invaders off the, off the dock. And as you two are kind of looking, the, the wind is kind of blowing in your guys' face and stuff like that, you do hear the collective now, um, once jovial sounds and tones of the festival has now turned into screams and, and terror as you start seeing the shuffling of people moving throughout this window. Kenny and Trig, roll me uh, perception checks as you guys are getting your bearings. Ten. 15. Um, Kenny, you're still kind of gathering yourself as the, the debris and dust is settled, so you don't quite see it. But Trig, as you get up, it, you notice Nock is on the ground, and he's been um, kind of pierced through with some of the debris of a beam that had come over, and it looks like he is on his way out as he's kind of gasping for air. But he sees you, and you guys kind of interlock eyes for a second, and he kind of reaches out and kind of tries to usher you to come forward. Uh... I'll try to flip him over on his back, and I'll, I'll yell, Kenny, I know you didn't sign your damn contract, but you best be getting to work. Uh, I'm going to run over and just say, you heard most of it. I just need you to touch this paper, please. God damn it, woman, would you just heal him? Knock as uh, you are, like, thrusting that contract in front of his face. Instead, reaches into his robe and he pulls out a scroll of some kind, and he kind of puts it in your hand instead. And he says to you, you have to get to Al-Janan by the end of summer. And then you just kind of hear the last bit of whispery breath as he fucking dies. That's on you. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. If I didn't need oh. you so bad, I'm going to put you down right here and now just for that. We need to get out of here as fast as we can. They're going to fire. Agreed. Yeah, as he died, did I see anything in particular happen to uh, knock in his body? Did anything emerge that I see? You are, when the impact hit, burst of just light hits your vision as everything kind of just went white. And then you just felt the pressure and the movement of being pushed through the air by some force and you're on the ground. And as you're still, you're like, all you hear is just like this loud, like ringing in like your fucking ears as you're just trying to get your, your bearing. But as that kind of starts to like fade away, as your vision starts to kind of come back, you do hear something. You hear the sounds of sliding coins being collected off a scale as the ringing is slowly kind of like turning into that cadence of, of plucking of coins. Um, I've got a couple questions. One, does it seem like the boats that attacked, are they still attacking the atoll, or does it look like they've done their job and they're moving on? No, they're steady firing into this atoll. Okay, I'm going to look at Anchor, and I'm going to say, I can stop those ships, but I've got to get within 300 feet of them. Okay. 
We'll do that. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, and then just so we better understand, this building we're in, is it high off the ground? Is it just basically on ground level? Um, it is higher up on in terms of the uh, overall like layout of Tengu as like Tengu's kind of stacked up on top of each other. So it's on uh-huh. a, a precipice. So th- there's ways that you can go down, but there's like f- various alleyways and, and stuff that you've seen throughout traveling between the different market that would lead there. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna turn to Anchor and say you can find me at the docks, dude, and then I'm going to literally leap out and on my longboard try to try to surf through the town to get as close to the docks as I can. Fly on that damn thing? Oh no! I'm gonna I'm gonna like ride down the side of the building and then see if I can get to like a, a sloped uh, street or something. I'm just getting there as fast as I can. Roll me an uh, athletic check or acrobatic. Amazing. That was I so fucking that. cool. An 18. Um, yeah, you you just grab the board and like you you see that the the way that the um the roof slant that you seem to be able to like hop from slat to slat of roof towards somewhere reasonable to jump off as you just slide and you hear just the sounds of tiles breaking as you hear the like, jump and another crash and another crash. Eventually, you get down low enough where you can kind of topple down onto the actual side street. I'm just gonna spend like as much, as many turns as it takes to get to within 300 feet of these ships. Okay. What is uh, everybody gonna, else doing? I'm charging after the turtle. I'm gonna push myself okay. up. I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You're right, is everyone okay? You look down, Shoti, and you notice that Baron seems to be okay, though she's oh now crying, she's in tears, as she's got, like, soot and debris just kind of now scattered on her on her small face. Um, the matron is there as well, but it appears that her leg is broken, and she's kind of grabbing onto it, and you you can kind of even see a bit of the bone sticking out on the side of the leg. And, uh... Uh, Nask Lady. So what um, do you want to do? Uh, I think this is your name's Kenny. Can you, can you fix her leg? I can. Um, I'll just kind of, like, back up and I'll... If, 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 the, if the kid is letting me, I'll just, like, sit her in my lap and wait for Kenny to come over. Right. So again, if everyone can just sign this paper as quick as possible, I would love to do that. Please. And she holds out the paper again. <laughs> I please just uh, anchor trig. Roll me perception checks while Kenny is talking. Sorry. I have a sixteen. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. You're hearing commotion coming around from like inside the outer parts, like where you guys entered and stuff like that. You're seeing, hearing like a lot of shouting and and, and screaming and crying and like something's going on on the outside of this building. Um, I'll direct myself in that direction. Okay. Um, you head down there and as you kind of look out into it, there's just a stream of people just flooding the street and what you can kind of see in the distance looks to be people wearing uh, leather type of armor and uh, and hide running through the city and kind of toppling over carts and swinging their weapons and firing uh, loose uh, arrows. I will cock I will cock a stick of dynamite into my crossbow, fire it over my head to make a, a loud noise, and I'll scream out, everybody inside now! <laughs> You hear everybody inside hears this loud bang ah! um, as these guys have now taken attention to you, Trig, and are now making their way as other people are like scattering. But the loud sound kind of makes them like duck and, and scatter and they're, they're not listening to you. They're they're full of fear and they're just continuing to run somewhere else. But you've gotten the notice of, of the uh, four that are. Can I see? Uh, good. Oh, well, yes, you can just see went now. off a stick of dynamite. Can I see or am I still at disadvantage? You're far, okay. you're far enough to, it wouldn't affect you, but you hear the loud burst and you know the gotcha. direction in which it's coming from as it just appears like a, a bright light in your okay. prifs. 
and the trench coat oh, drops no. to the ground. That remains to be seen. Everybody else, before before you get into this, anybody else trying to do something? Baron is crying. She's murmuring, murmuring something to herself over and over again. Um, the matron's leg is broken, but you did guys she sign the paper. Did not sign. <laughs> she didn't sign the paper. She has yet to sign the paper. Um, she's reeling in pain. Her leg is busted and broken. Listen, in in my experience, cannons fire more than once. We need to leave. We need to grab that child and go. Matron, can you give us permission, please? We need to go. She she eventually just like just just take her. I, I'll I'll be fine. Just just please just take her. Get her out of the city uh, wherever she uh, needs to go. Just uh, please keep her safe. All stay close. I can protect you. We'll lead yeah, we our way downstairs. I'll pick her up. Uh, Are we clear? I'll pick her up and come. I'm sorry. I'm really really sorry. I'm so so sorry. I'm so so sorry. And then she's continually to say, you, do you speak Permortal? Uh, no, I only speak giant in common. <laughs> she's saying something, she's murmuring something over and over, and she's kind of getting upset, and she's kind of like reaching out down towards the maid, she's crying as 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 you guys are making your way out. Amanda, uh, yeah, did you want to do something? How much does the matron weigh? She's fairly large. I mean, Lukemans are tall okay. people naturally, so they're about seven. She's about seven feet, but she's a very okay. large because woman. Because I can lift at three hundred, and I would be be like, can I? Am I? Can I scoop up this? Uh, can you I, can I, roll a strength oh. check, and you can try. <laughs> can I assist? Sure. Are you gonna both try what, to carry what, this nation uh, with you? Yes. Strength roll me strength checks. Oh lord, please. Blood work. I got a five. Oh my god, I got a 14! Oh no. I can lift 300 pounds, I can't do this, okay. Given the the awkwardness of her shape and, and the fact yeah. that her leg is broken, so there's no real leverage to really pick her up, um, you both try to lift her, but she's not budging. And eventually she just kind of slaps your guys' hands away, and she's like, there's no time. Please protect Baran and get her where she needs to go. I will be fine. Uh, I, I will do a very, very quick uh, prayer, like under my breath, uh, to uh, Elamorv as I go ahead and lead towards the other door. I'm going to cast. Spare the dying on them. Okay. And then run. Wait, make sure everyone everyone else is running, right? Okay, good then. Yeah, yeah everybody else yes, has, has taken off. Then we're running out. Moving in formation. We're, we've got the kid and, and Zaudi in the, the middle, and then we're sort of diamonding around them. Yeah, can I say that I took the, the wolf mask I have and I put it over their face? I say, oh, you're a wolf, man. You're so big and strong. And I'll reach into my into my little like my little pouch that I have my seashells in, and I'm gonna find like a really big, smooth one. And I'm just gonna like hold it in my in the hand that has her. I'm just gonna hold it like in front of her if she wants to like hold something to play with. And then I'll draw my short sword with the yeah, other. Yeah, she hand. eventually takes it, and, and it seems to console her for the moment. And so you kind of put that little uh, you put the mask over her face, but she's still kind of crying, and she's still you can still hear her kind of like in, inhaling and 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 making that noise that that little kids make when they've cried too much but you guys have now exited this building and you see trig who's now taking off his coat and four raiders that seem to be approaching kenny you recognize them as the the guys that you had seen earlier in the day that you were playing uh lizard race with this is ridiculous Mm, maybe i should have rushed off (laughs) 
<laughs> but every you gotta go blow those boats up, man. But the city street is very busy, and even these guys who are are, are trying to push through th- uh, all of these scattered people to try to get way, and they're they're still a ways away. But there is another way down the alleyway where some other people have scattered off, and Trigus seems to be between you and that other opening. I'll call back. I got these guys. You get the kid to the boat. Are you, uh, are you all gonna run? I'm hesitant because him against four combatants sounds a lot yeah. like a <laughs> I'm, I'm staying because they're my problem. No, uh, yeah, I, I call out to him. No, it's better if we stay together. We need all of you to protect her. I'll meet you there. Uh, that sounds like a terrible idea. Uh, you can just stay. run with us right now. I'll stay. Uh, uh, Snooval will stop. Groan. And then she's like, I'll stay behind. I'll bring, I'll, I'll, I'll bring him up. I'll bring him back. So you guys I'm, are going to yeah, stay. You're all staying. Oh, oh, we're all staying? Um, okay, good. Just going to hold them off long enough for you to get away, I promise. Yeah, we're all uh, going to do that. Yeah, we're all going to stay. We're, we're all, all in this together. together. Yeah. They're about 15 feet away from you guys as you guys have now kind of stand your ground. Um, there's still people kind of checking you as they're still scattering through through the street. Um, but yeah, they're, the guys have drawn their swords and they're approaching you. Fuck, let's roll initiative. Natural 20! Hell yeah! 15. I have a 9. I've got an 11. A 12. I'm so excited. 19. Um, so Kenny's going to charge up to them, um, and you can see sort of like flashes of light coming from underneath her mask and out of her mouth, and she's going to okay. get as close as she can and cast uh, Inflict Wounds on as many people as she can. I roll a 25 to hit. 25 hits all of them. Less. So I've got 3d10 for that app. That's 21 points of damage. And then I'm going to cast command as a bonus action using my, um, what is it, like voice of authority? That is a save. Uh, 14, like I said. Yeah, as they as they approach Kenny, you just kind of step forward, and, and um, as that light kind of pours out from you, you just touch one of them, and you just all of a sudden their whole like body just kind of breaks out into like sores and, and wounds and that as they just eventually just collapse on the ground. Because <laughs> okay, no, <laughs> no, you just you, you, you kill go. the fuck out of them, and then at, I will go to another one and cast command. And as you still have that smoldering light that's kind of peeking through your your uh, the wires of your mask that you just like turn to yeah. another person. Yeah, they didn't they didn't save that that throw. They uh, it was a an eight. Then I just say, and there's like maybe a couple other voices in her voice, and they just say, "Let the dude cop a squat for a while." Yeah, just kind of seeing that fear and that ethereal angelic energy that you're just spouting right now. He just kind of just gets on his knees immediately and puts his like weapon down, and he just bows at you. And he's kind of like also kind of like looking down at his friend who's just kind of a dead pile of sewers. One of the bandits is going to finally make its way through the crowd. And since, unfortunately, Kenny, you are the closest to him, he's going to take a short sword to you as he pushes through the other guy. That's a miss, though. You uh, you just take a step straight to the side as you hear just the ringing of the sword just swiping past you as it clacks down onto onto the street below you um, as he misses. Um, have I made it to the shore? 
Or better question, am I within 300 feet of the... No, you're not quite 300 feet. You would okay. be probably next round. All good. I'll spend my entire turn running, uh, using my action and just yeah. getting as close as I can. You're pushing through people. You're you're trying to get out of the way as all this franticness is happening and, and going on. Trig, you're up. Okay. Uh, uh, so there's three guys left, right? Okay. And so uh, first of all, both of the crossbows come out. Uh, anyone standing nearby, you're going to hear a series of clicks kind of go off on his back and legs as two bolts shoot into the air over his shoulders. The crossbows come up, whack, whack. The crossbows latch into the into the bow. He cocks it against his waist, and he's letting one fly. He's taking a swing at Kenny there. Uh, I'm going to take sharpshooter on that as well. Okay. And then I'm going to do a precision attack on that, which gives me an extra D8 on the attack roll. <laughs> So that's going to be 15 to hit on that one. That'll hit. Okay. So that, of course, plus 10 damage because of sharp shooter. Amazing. So that's going to be, well, I roll a one, but that's still going to be four. That's going to be 14 points of damage on the first hit. Second attack. uh, I didn't say sharp shooter, so it's just going to be straight. Uh, That's going to be a 22 to hit. That'll hit. That's going to be nine points of piercing damage. Is this on the same guy or is it on? uh, Yes, same guy. Okay, yeah. As he like, as the like the sword hits the ground, as he hears the loosing of the bolt as he's like turns around and he just takes one straight in the chest and it like pushes him down a little bit, but he tries to get back up and like make his way towards you and you shoot him again and he just uh, gets down on his feet in a run and he just dies right in front of your feet. Crossbows turn to the next guy. Crossbow Bye. expert bonus action attack. <laughs> So many words. <laughs> All right. Sharpshooter. We're going. Oh, natural my one, God. Natural one. I miss him. Action surge. Two more attacks. I'll roll him at the We're same going. time. Oh, We're going, kids. Welcome. Jeez, cowboy. First one is going to be a 22 to hit with sharpshooter. Okay, so that's going to be... That's going to be 18 points of piercing damage. Second one, I'm going to do a precision strike using my third superiority die for the day. That's going to be a 16 to hit which I believe hits. Yeah, you as you pop off those two shots on the first guy and stuff like that, it's almost like instinct as you just jut it around and you pop off those secondary shots. As the guy is like running full force, he just hits straight into your arrows and knocks him prone and yeah, he doesn't get back up. Um, as far as you know, the four that had approached you with weapons drawn are now dead. Um, we're, we're out of initiative. All right, on to the boats we go. Uh, and I'm just going to use my 30 feet of movement to start booking it towards the harbor. Okay. Just... Um, I'll make sure to grab my cup uh, on the way. Good. We're not playing games. <laughs> not playing games. Brad, you are within 300 feet by now as you've pushed through. Okay, so I come huffing and puffing up to the shoreline. I put my feet in the water and like I reach into my bandolier and I pull out this kind of gray powder and I close my eyes and I sprinkle the gray powder into the waves. As I'm like concentrating, I begin raising my hands up and the water begins to recede unnaturally from the shoreline and I'm going to cast Control Water. My intention is to control the water around one of the closest ships, and I want to redirect its cannons onto yes. one of its enemies. Okay. God damn. Or excuse me, one of its allies. <laughs> so I want to I want to aim the ship at one of its allies 
uh, and have it fire. Sure, yes. <laughs> Let my people go. Thank you so much. Rad, as you, you, you run to the shoreline and you take out that, that ash and you sprinkle it into the water and you, you cast control water and as you kind of just like push your hand out, you just see like the, the ocean like just part its ways a little bit. Enough for you to kind of now stand inside like the, where the shore once was and has receded and you're just, you're holding it and you're pushing it as the water starts to just collect and collect and collect and as it nearest ship that's kind of close, it's a, a galleon ship, but it, instead of uh, the regular sails, they're kind of like spine fin sails scatter across its back like a fish would. You eventually collect so much water that it kind of pushes and brushes up against it enough to where it's starting to just teeter and, and shift and turn slowly and as it's as it's turning like the cannons are still going off and just powering it. It's still hitting parts of the city but eventually it's now turning its sights over to other ships and eventually um, it's slowly now turning towards one of the other ships that are in the harbor. I'll say that maybe next turn it'll, it'll finally fully turn around. Everybody else, roll me athletics checks as you have to now navigate through this crowd to get uh, to where you're going. You're still holding, uh, Shodi is still holding on to Baron, who is wearing a little wolf mask. Solid seven. Big eight. 17. Dirty 26. Kenny, Anchor, and uh, Snowball, it's easy for you to navigate through this crowd. You're seeing the openings between the cadence of people running, and then you're able to kind of duck and weave. Um, but as you guys, the rest of you are pushing in, Trig, you and Shodi kind of get bottlenecked by a group of people, and you guys are slowly slowing down with the rest of the pack as everybody is uh, continuing to p- push forward. Eventually, you guys uh, make it back to the uh, food court area as like tables have been t- overturned and tapestries are on fire and scatters of fruits and vegetables and meat all over the floor. There is tons of people still kind of traversing down the same way that you're going to, but you also notice that um, that the canal on the opposite side seems to be a little bit more freer, but you will have to jump over the boat that are parked along the sides to get across. Um, which way would you like to go? You can either go down uh, and cross the canal or you guys can continue to push through this this. I can make it. I can make it. Right, hold on. I, I, I'm gonna. Is it possible for me to do Hour of Reaping? Where if I do it, like I can just do a roar to scare people out of our way for uh, a death saving throw. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, wisdom saving throw, or they're gonna be frightened. So if they're frightened, they can just fuck off from us. Can I do that? Sure, right. you can try that. Hell yeah. I did a four. Oh no. I don't know if it would. <laughs> Snowball, you're like, you, you you think you got it and you, you try to run up to the crowd and you just take this stance of some kind as you like try to push out this roar, nothing. but nothing comes like your throat kind of tightens and it cracks the ends of stuff and uh. nothing really comes out. As everybody yeah. just sees you make this like <laughs> monk stance motion and like, nothing happened. We all get this anxiety from time to time. Yeah. I just roll my head and just move. Just too many crowds. Go for the canals. Can I like parkour from boat to boat across the canal? Yeah. Roll me an acrobatics check. That's all of us? Yes, everybody. Okay. Everybody's running across this canal. 24. <sighs> 10. 21. 18. 
Shodi, it's easy enough for you, given your size, given your your length and, and your your uh, knack for acrobatics. You easily just in one bound jump from one ship to another boat to another boat and make it over to the canal. Uh, Kenny, Anchor, and uh, Snaval, you guys take a second to kind of balance yourself on the first boat, that, but you guys get your rhythm and you you're able to jump from boat to boat to get to the other side of the canal. Trig, you jumped on the first boat and you kind of rocked really hard and it, it took a second for you to stabilize yourself, but it takes a minute for you to slowly jump from boat to boat. As you're climbing up to the top of the other side of the canal, roll me a deck save. The adrenaline is coming <laughs> down. <laughs> Got to side with the bandits. Uh, yeah, I did. That's gonna be a fucking twelve. A twelve? Yeah. I'm paying for that natural twenty at the top of the game. Yeah, you are. You hear the you hear the sound of an arrow, um, whoosh through the air, and it it hits you. You take uh, three points of piercing damage as it, it knocks into your shoulder, um, but you're still you still manage to to prop yourself up, but it clips you as you like get to your feet. On the other side of the canal, you see another set of of uh, bandits and uh, raiders who have noticed you guys fleeing and have taken shots at you. Tis but a flesh wound. You keep running. Keep running. All right, Rad, you're still pushing and moving that boat. The boat's getting pretty close to fully turning all the way and is now firing off into uh, the opposite side into the um, into the bay area, crashing into other boats. Misses not the boat that's firing in, but another boat adjacent to it as it rips through. As now that boat has caught fire, um, but eventually it's finally moved fully over and has taken uh, two shots at one of the adjacent ships. And it hits uh, as the two cannon fires rips into the bow of it, setting the lower half of it on fire on, on its one of its faces. But it's still managing to pop off a, a shot loses two more cannons into the city. I will uh, spend my action. I can, you know, I'm like still using control water. I think I'll just, did one of the ships take damage? Yeah, it's taking damage and it's on fire, but it's it's still got enough uh, left in it to keep firing off shots. I'm I'm going to move my control water from one ship to the ship that was just damaged. And I'm going to cast a vortex which is a 50 foot wide at the top and 25 feet deep. And the point is that the ship is going to have to make an athletics check or it's going to take some damage. Literal fucking whirlpool. What's the, what's the DC for the athletic? Uh, 14. (laughs) I got a four. The the ship is going to take an additional 10 damage. Yeah, the, 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 it seems that the, that vortex that this ship is kind of caught in it as it's now kind of also spinning in its place in underneath as this vortex is forging, and it seems like it's taking on some water. And like as I'm as I'm like casting, like really thick purple black smoke is starting to emanate from beneath the uh, the eye patch, and he just says to himself, "Sorry for the crease, dude," <laughs> and just like continues to <laughs> mess with the ships. The rest of you Amazing. have um, kind of traversed through the back end of the uh, the food court area, this uh, where a lot of the food was being had, and um, have now reached back into the art uh, art district. There's nobody there. It's actually very quiet here, as it seems that everybody's abandoned it. The, um, there's some fire on the residual buildings around it, but overall, it doesn't look like anything was really disturbed. Like tables have toppled over from people kind of knocking into it and stuff, but there's nobody seemingly here. Um, everybody here, roll me a perception check. 13. 22. 14. 16. 
12. Yeah, you guys are just kind of searching around, kind of catching your breath as you guys have been running for a, a little bit, assessing any additional damage. Trig, there's an arrow in your shoulder that has not yeah. been a, has not been addressed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're taking a second to breathe. Something catches your eye. It looks like a half-elf. He's wearing, like, full leather armor. As you, like, kind of look at him, his form doesn't seem like it's solid. It seems like it's got a little op- opacity behind it, and you can kind of see, like, the leg of the uh, stall right behind him. But he, like, watches you for a second, and eventually the image fades. Really quickly, can I, like, lean up against a wall, my shoulder that has the arrow in it, and just push against it to snap the stem off? You hear the clacking of the arrow breaking, and it's uncomfortable, but it's a lot better than whole arrow. (sighs) Refreshing. The rest of you, as you guys are kind of catching your breath, you do hear the sounds of footsteps and and people coming closer. You don't know if it's... uh, random citizens who are still running through the town or or it's an enemy, but they're growing closer. As you guys continue to progress and uh, forward, roll me a dexterity saving throw. 14, 18, 12, 18, 9. As you guys are running through this uh, alleyway end, like one of the buildings just erupts into uh, and, and explodes around you as you guys are pushed up or kind of a scattered amongst this debris and you guys kind of get your bearings and around you notice that like who's with you is not everybody's like there as the dust settles as you guys seem to be on different sides trig kenny you guys are together the rest of you are shoti snaval and anchor you guys seem to be on the opposite side of what appears to be piles of rubble and uh of the of the building that has just exploded i shout out keep moving we'll find our own way i'm gonna okay we'll see you down by the dock i'm gonna check over the kid make sure she's not hurt and then she's got more soot and what looks to be like scratches and debris but you've been kind of covering her uh entirely and she's such a small child that you've been able to kind of scathe off a lot of the damage um everybody takes uh five points of of uh, bludgeoning damage from that explosion as you guys get to your feet um and roll me survival checks so you can get your bearings and figure out where you are in the city and how to get down to the docks while you guys are rolling that stuff rad what are you wanting to do down the at the uh down at the docks you your vortex is still going and stuff like that i I think i'll i think i'll just keep it up i'll keep pummeling the same ship that has just gotten hit so um on their turn or if you want on my turn they have to make another athletics check and if they fail they take 2d8 yeah no that's a nine Ooh, nice. They take 13 bludgeoning damage as the waves are just pummeling them. Yeah, I mean, as you continue to uh, to just suck this vortex, uh, this ship deeper into this vortex, and it's starting to take on water, and you can even see, like, the residual fire from where the initial cannon blast is seeming to, like, starting to extinguish as, like, water is starting to fill, and it looks like the ship is starting to sink within this vortex that you yeah. have formed. Um, but you're going to keep that up? Yeah, I'm just waiting for my allies okay. to come. What Thank were you. your survival checks, friends? 21. Bad eight. Bad eight. Dirty 20. I got the unholy uh, at one. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, Shody, you kind of uh, 
look up and between you and, and Anchor, and you guys can, um, you can hear the sounds of the, the harbor bell and it seems fairly close to you guys. And you kind of pull, you kind of like find like where it's going and, it, and you see an alleyway that kind of like leads towards that direction. You guys are gonna head that way. Snival, you're kind of just still catching your bearings and not really paying attention. When you notice that at the very least, when you turn around, you, f- you just see the last bit of like anchors, uh, anchors like robage just kind of flicking in the corner um, as they have like turned the corner and left you there, <laughs> thinking that you were gonna follow. Uh, can I <laughs> dash after that? I'll call it like, hey, dragon. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you slowly run after them. Kenny and Trick, you, Kenny, you turn around and the only place you see is another alleyway and it looks fairly empty um, as you guys are kind of taking, uh, you guys kind of been blocked off from the other path that you guys were walking on. Seems like you kind of like uh, was pushed into like this small side alley from the explosion. Yeah, about that. I got a plan B. I'm gonna pull out another stick of dynamite. All right. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And then I'm gonna wait until I, until I feel like the allies on the other side of the rubble are gone, and I'm just gonna put a stick of dynamite into the rubble, uh, and just kind of like strike the fuse and step back into the alleyway. How much dynamite do you fucking have? I'm gonna grab Trig and say, I'm sure you'll be able to see it from farther away. Let's go and drag him down the alleyway, if possible. Just roll me a deck save. You <laughs> dynamite in the alley. Oh. Why would you not? Why would you not? I don't know. Okay. I don't know why. So, technically speaking, if you're within five feet of it, you have to make a DC 12 deck saving throw. I'll say Kenny pulls you out far enough that you guys don't have to do deck saves, but just as you get to the end of the alleyway, the dynamite goes off and it's just like a, a rubble scatters across this very loudly. Um, you do blast a hole in that debris as it's just rocks and loose uh, wood. And yeah, you, you've poked a hole in We probably could have moved it with our arms, but that's okay. Let's go. I'll scurry through the hole. <laughs> Kenny looks at the perfectly empty alleyway. <laughs> the perfectly empty alleyway. All right, what are you going to do? <laughs> you are a long way around kind of person and follows you through the tunnel that you've made uh, back on track, hopefully. Technically, this is the more direct route. Is it? Is it? It's fine. It's fine. Hey, with this intelligence, <laughs> it's the most direct route. Yeah, yeah, can't no, argue with true, that. That's true. Amen. Uh... Shodi, Shodi, Anchor, and Snival, you guys have tucked into another alleyway and you guys have been running down uh, it for a moment. Um, And it seems like you've been running for quite a while. It seems like you're just running and running. You hear the, you hear the harbor bells and it doesn't seem like it's ever getting really closer. Who's, who's in the front? Roll me a wisdom saving throw. Okay. Nice. Uh, 24. As you're running, you blink for a second and there's just a wall that appears, but you manage to skirt around it as there's another part of the alleyway that you can turn into. You kind of like stop with enough time to kind of turn and, and with enough time for everybody in the back of you to see that you're making a, a hard left into the side street. You guys continue down to this alleyway into a, a larger section where there's another row of market uh, stands and you guys progress a little bit further. Roll me another wisdom saving throw. A 16. A 16? 
what you think is the continuation of this uh, alleyway, and all of a sudden you take a step over one part of the road and you feel nothing. You barely manage to grab onto something as you fall through, and all of a sudden you see nothing but just debris as, as this section of this road has been kind of eaten away by cannon fire, and there's fire. Now that you are holding on to this rubble, that you notice that there's just a chunk missing and just a wide hole down to a uh, down to another level of the street below you. Yeah, I'm gonna hold myself in the threshold and, and put a hand back to everyone behind me. The city's playing tricks on us. Something's happening, um, and you know I'm, I'm looking down at the, the rubble. Is there anywhere else we can go to skirt this? Um, back the way we came, or, or can I start feeling the walls to see what is real and what isn't? You feel around, and you know, like what you see now feels real. The edges of this uh, street, you're, you're able to kind of put yourself up, and you look, and you see that just a giant chunk. It's only about maybe ten feet or so of a jump across this road that you could, or there's another side alley that you see in this area that might lead down to the lower part where you were kind of. Do what I you have kind any of see? Inclination of what would be faster to get to the dock. Roll me a survival check. Okay. I have a 17. 17? As you kind of, like, look at the lower part of the road, you do notice that it's emptier down in that lower street. When you go across the way, that you see a collection of people that are still trying to make their way down to what the dock areas would be. But you know that eventually you'll have to go down another level to get to the docks anyways as it tears down all the way flat to the, the dock area. I'm going to follow that easier street then. Rad, come back to you. So what, is it, what does it look like the other ships are doing? Uh, like, for instance, like I moved one of them. Is it like trying to redirect itself? There's a third one I haven't even touched. Is it just still shooting into the into the city? Yeah, the one you had initially pushed in that direction is now trying to round about themselves and put them back into a position of fire as you're slowly sinking this other ship. It seems that the other ship that is also escaping fire has just been continuing on its course. There are various boats now in the harbor that are attempting to flee. Um, and you've noticed, you can notice that some ships that are making their way out of Tengu has been actually assaulted by the back end of some of those uh, those cannon mm. fire and is essentially trying to bust uh, any ship's attempts to leave the harbor as well. If I'm within range of 300 feet, I'll try to target some of the civilian boats and I'll just I'll just, using control water, I'll like redirect flow and make them move faster out of the harbor. Like just have a big wave, like hit them in the back and they just, you know, move as fast as possible. Sure. Kind of bring your hands up as the vortex slowly starts to dissipate, collecting all that water together, and you finally kind of bring it towards yourself, and you just kind of push it out, and that wave just kind of ripples through the harbor, and it catches the tail of some of those ships that are, are making their way out, and it is pushing those ships faster along, and you, you can even see one or two making it to that narrow pass and, and making their way. And, and I'm, I'm looking behind my shoulder like, <laughs> where are my fellow dudes? Um, roll me a perception check. Since you've been kind of focused on the ocean, you have, haven't really been taking a look. Uh, tw dirty 20. You turn around and you just can take in the, the level of damage that is being, that's just being assaulted over Tengu Atoll as a, a good part of its structure is on fire. You're seeing just the scattered of people trying to make it to ships, trying to make it to safety somewhere. But you also notice one other thing. Somebody who's standing at the main entrance of where the docks are, just standing there waiting. He's wearing black armor and he's just casually, just calmly, just standing there amongst the the fray. I'll call out to him. 
You, you should get to safety, dude. But he's like completely stoic just standing there. He's completely stoic. He doesn't, um... Hmm. No, he doesn't seem to notice your your calls to him as he just continues to look out at the at the city that is that is burning and being destroyed. Trig and and Kenny, you guys have tunneled your way through this debris, and you've made it out, and you are running back down the same road that you were traversing down. And eventually, you kind of cross over this one bridge onto the other side, and you're making your way down, and you can see the docks just about a tier or so away. Uh, and eventually, you take a couple, like, stairs on down a side of, uh, of, like, what appears to be, like, a residential housing area. You are now at the dock level. Roll me perception checks. Great. Six. I did a little better than that. I got an 11. <laughs> it's just chaos down where you guys are at. As you're seeing people trying to flee, there's some people even, like, looting as you're seeing people carrying off with, like, items and trinkets that are a little too large and, like, why are you carrying that kind of stuff in the middle of all of this stress? And a lot of the the dock area is on fire. Some of the, some of the fishermen ship it. You guys don't know what Anchor's boat looks like, and you don't see any of your allies. Um, but Trig, you do notice something uh, in the crowd, the face of a, of a half-elf man that kind of seems like he's standing, waiting, though there are people kind of pushing through him. And, and um, Kenny, you find a look around. and How far away is he? He's about 30 feet away from you. You can kind of just give out his shape. What stands out about him is that he's just not moving. He's just standing there. Um, Kenny, when you kind of see, he kind of looks like the person that you were, you had seen down at uh, Art Market. Um, but he's just standing there waiting. I, mean, I see him standing there like an idiot not seeing anything else to do right now. I'm going to run, and I'm just going to try to like, grab <laughs> okay. him and fireman him over my shoulder as I keep running, trying to take him to safety with me. <laughs> okay, uh, roll me a uh, roll me a strength check. Are you going to be sneaky about this, oh, or are you no. just running straight no, for it? I'm just going to fucking grab him. I'm just going <laughs> to... Okay. It's a strength. You, like, for some reason, you believe that this man is in danger because he's just either in shock or something because he's just not moving. So you run up to him and you're like, I'm going to save you. I don't even say anything. I'm just going to, like, try to, like, shoulder check him and at the same time kind of, like, scoop him up and just keep running with him. As you attempt to pick him up, you realize that he doesn't have any mass to him as you kind of, like, your arms kind of slink through. What? And he just... Poralizes and disappears. Well, that was weird. Let's keep running. I'm going to ask him. Next time we see that ghost, just let me do the talking. Um, weird request, great, but okay. Great, let's go. Uh, Shodi, <laughs> Anchor, and Snival, you guys have gone down similar stairs in a different part of, of uh, the market areas and uh, are slowly making your way. It seems like it, it, it makes a bend as there's like a wall down at the end of this staircase that kind of makes the stairwell jut and turn a different direction. And you, you eventually go down these stairs and you come out of the dock area and as you enter into this chaos and fray, you notice, um, since you're at the, the heart of where the dock kind of intersects from all of around the coastline, you see a, a, a guy with black armor just casually standing at the front of the docks, and he appears to just be waiting for I something. I want to look into him. I want to see him. Uh, like, what is that? You, you want to see yeah. what, uh, what he gives off to me. He gives off an aura of just fear. That's what you feel from it. 
just straight fear. Does the scales uh, show up to me or no? The scales show up to you and it teeters yeah. towards not being a very good person. But he's just standing there, waiting. You guys are at the docks now. There is still people moving about, trying to get to their ships. Where's, uh, where's uh, your ship? Where's the ship that's from where we're standing? It's uh, it's just there on the dock. It's past that guy in the black armor, right? We have to, we have to walk him. past him to get there. Yeah. Um, it's past that gentleman in the black armor. It's the farthest side. I'm gonna approach uh, the gentleman and be like, uh, I'm just gonna just approach him. Just to, you need to step aside. He doesn't move, doesn't look at you, doesn't say anything. Are we together? Um, by now, I would say Kenny and if you guys are heading towards further towards the main part of the dock area, I would say you and Kenny would eventually walk up on them. It's that stupid ghost. Where are you watching from? And I call out to the to the ghost. I think it's a ghost. Uh, you're just calling out, or are you calling okay. out to the the the, the guy in the yeah, armor? Yeah, I call it to the dude in the armor and ask where he's watching uh, from. He doesn't seem to answer you when he says that. I'm gonna do an unarmed strike to get him to move. He's a ghost. I'm not gonna use my fist. I'm gonna go ahead and whip my head around so I can hit him with the ring on the bottom of my brain. Okay, roll, roll, the, roll that fucking attack. Let's do Bring this. that bitch. Oh, that's a nat 20. Hey! <laughs> okay, not the best, but all right, we got uh, five points of damage. You, you flip your hair and you hear the cracking of ring that's on the end of it make with the armor as it makes a loud sound. You can even see the, the indent in the the place where you had struck. As you do that, his head finally turns and meets your gaze. He's slightly shorter than you since you're seven feet tall, but he is a very large individual. I want to do that hour reaping again. I want to see if I could scare him to uh, here. Um, yeah. I want to see if I could scare him. Okay, before you do that, since you did something, um, he's going to look at you, and as he looks at you, you see something glowing underneath his mask. I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. 19. Right. You, as you see like this glowing red light just coming out through his mask, you feel this wave of fear <laughs> just kind of envol- envelop you. And, and it kind of, like you feel it kind of going down in between like your scales and into your, like you have, you know, studied under the monastery and, and you know how to swallow your fear as a lot of the, the practices that you preach has to deal with overcoming fear. And as that fear kind of, kind of pushes inside of you, you kind of steadfast kind of push that away and you manage to scathe off this feeling of fear. But you can sense a very strong divine presence coming from this particular person. Everybody else who's standing there, are you guys attempting to do something? I'm not doing anything yet, but my hand's kind of like twitching at my side a little bit. I'm going to look to uh, the Goliath and go, you need to get the child to the boat at the farthest end of the dock. It's on the right with the red tapestry, uh, the red mast. We'll stay here and deal with whatever this is. When when we go, you go further. Go ahead. I'm going to like run with uh, the child for now. 
Yeah, best be when, best be doubling the guard on the kid up. When anything kicks off, I'm taking off. Rad, is there anything you want to do while you're down there? Uh, you know, I turn around and I see this figure, and then I see my allies appear, and I'm like, dudes, over here! And I'm just like signaling for them. Before I go running off with Zaudi, I'm gonna stay in the back of the pack just in case this ghost tries anything, and I can be the buffer zone between. But I am going to wave down Rad, and I'm going to point at the boat at the end with the red mask. I'll just flip him some thumbs up. I give him that really awkward Chaka again, because I think that's like his greeting symbol. Snaval and Trig, are you doing anything? I'm going to... I feel like I'm going to end up engaging this guy. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the kid. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on that. Help her keep an eye on that kid. Yeah, essentially, if this guy tries anything, I think the Dragonborn, the Cowboy, and Anchor are going to try and intercede while the others run away. Yeah, I feel like... Close your eyes, close your eyes, and um, soon we'll be on a boat. Just think about the boat. You guys begin to proceed to just try to walk past this particular individual and just make a beeline straight to <laughs> your... Our eyes are just staring at it as we just walk by. We're doing like that Scooby-Doo thing where they're kind of like in a line creeping by. <laughs> Roll me a wisdom what? saving throw. Feels right. Hi. I got a five... I got an 8. 22. I got an 18. I got a 4. As you guys progress forward, again, you feel this creeping sensation of fear wash all over you. Anchor and Trig, you guys have been through enough to kind of scathe off that fear and swallow it in the way that Snaval did. But Kenny, Shoti, and Snaval, that fear just kind of sinks in really fucking deep and it stops you in your tracks as you stop moving. You feel the need to back away from this man instead of trying to cross past him as you guys are stuck, full of fear. You're, you're frightened currently of this particular entity. I go ahead and activate like my stillness of mind, which is I would, it would take me out of an action, but it basically would just, I would just have to stand still, but I can become unfrightened. Can I just like go into like a, like a meditative pose for a second to gather myself? That's what I'm going to uh, Rad, roll me a perception check since you're, you haven't left your position on the beach, right? No. Yeah, I'm still watching. Uh, 15. 15. As you see the, the Goliath stop and Snaval and Kenny all stop in their tracks and they're not moving towards the boat like where Anchor had pointed a direction, what you notice is behind them, two other people have start have come out from the opposite end. One is a half-elf in leather armor and the other one is a what appears to be a woman. She's wearing very long robes. The thing you notice most is the, the mask that she's wearing over over her face. It's a blank, like, whitish mass that's a little bit bigger than her face, but it inc- she's got crude, like, spirals that make up its eyes and this really large, smiling teeth. She's got, like, bush kind of hair that circles around it, and you can't tell if that's her actual hair or it's a part of the actual mass, but they're both now kind of approaching behind Kenny, Shoti, and Snaval. Well, any any <laughs> doubt that this dude isn't being totally aggro has now been uh, uh, dispelled. Yeah. Um, um, would you say that this man in the black armor and the two new individuals, are they within a 40-foot cube of each other within range? Or are they farther away from each other than that? The two are, are, are far, just a little bit outside of that, but they are moving okay. towards them. But yeah. they, they're still in the, like, the city line. They've come out through like alleys in the same way that you slowly saw your party approach. Uh, I'm just going to... 
um, raise one of my hands and this light, this energy sort of forms in one of the palms of my hands. Blast off two Eldritch Blasts at the man in, in black armor. Sure, at the man in black armor. Yeah, the highest is a 14. And then I'll just spend the rest of my turn just moving 30 feet towards him. Okay. Yeah, you pop off those two blasts and stuff like that, and it, it does make connections with its armor, but it doesn't seem to do anything as it kind of, the energy kind of just scatters and, and, and uh, fades. But that draws the attention of the two that are approaching. As you are running towards the rest of the group, the woman who's standing there just kind of blinks and disappears. And as she disappears, she eventually appears in front of you, Rad, as you're approaching up to her. As you're approaching her, you notice that, like, where her hands are, there's these long, bladed claws that are resting on the tops of her hands that are the only thing that you can really see sticking out of her long sleeves. Um, but she's got a mask. She's got that mask on, and she's got a- her head kind of tilted to the side as you're kind of approaching her. Why don't we just roll for initiative? Okay. I have a 20. 6, 17. 15. Get another nat 1, the uh, initiative 4. 12. The top of the round is the man in the armor. Some of the members of your party frightened and unable to continue on as Trig is on the opposite, Trig and Anchor on the opposite sides on the back end of this evil guy. He um, draws his greatsword and he approaches you, Shoti, as he notices the little child in your arms. And he. And as he approaches you and he pulls his greatsword out, he says something to you. And he says, I've received and I received a letter and a note to help deliver precious cargo. And I have a feeling what you have in your hands is just the cargo I'm looking for. If you hand her over now, I won't burn this entire city to the ground. As he's stepping forward, it's making you take steps back as you're frightened. I'm going to switch her to my upstage hand so she's furthest away from him and switch my switch my my sword hand and just kind of like shakily keep my sword out in front of us. Not a chance. He's going to take a swing at you with his greatsword then. He takes it in both of his hands and he swings wildly, but you managed, since you're frightened of him, you take that awkward shuffle back and it's just enough for you to scathe off, um, but you hear the the weight of the whoosh across your face of his sword. Trigger up. Okay. Um, how far away am I from this guy? Um, you're about, now that he's taking a few steps forward, he's about, uh, 10 feet, 15 feet away from you. Gotcha. Pop, pop. I'm going to take two shots at him. I'll roll them both at the same time. Sure. So that is going to be a dirty 20 and a 16 to hit. Dirty 20 and a 16. Uh, the dirty 20 will hit. The 16 will not. Okay. On the dirty 20, I am going to try to do a trip attack, spending my final superiority die, so he will also have to make a strength saving throw against 14, or he's going to get knocked prone. Okay. And I get to add an extra D8 to my damage roll. Uh, I hit 18. Takes 14 points of piercing damage, uh, bonus action, crossbow expert to whack him again. Sharpshooter. 14 to hit. You manage to fire off those three arrows, and one actually does manage to get underneath some of his armor and jut out from in between two of his plates. But he doesn't seem unfazed by it as he's continuing to focus on Shoti and and the child. Anchor, it's your turn. Alrighty, uh, I'm gonna get in between Shoti and uh, the black armored and immediately in between them, I'm, I'm pulling out that big metal war club and I'm gonna take two huge swipes at him. Okay. You know, trying to pummel him with it. I have 18 
19 on the first one and a 25 on the second. Uh, 25 points of damage total from both hits. And then I'm just keeping myself within five feet of uh, Zodi, the uh, Shodi the whole time uh, to make sure that they're protected. Okay. Uh, Shodi, it's actually your turn. Uh, I'm going to cast Hold Person on this yeah. fucker. Uh, it's a nice. wisdom save against 15. He rolled a natural 15. Son of a fucking bitch. Roll a d20. A seven. Okay. I want to bonus action disengage and um, sure. use my movement to get as far away from him as I can. Yeah, as you disengage and, and uh, Anchor is wedged between you and, and this armored man, you attempt to try to flee back into the city. Um, but as you turn around and use the full length of your movement, you do notice that there is somebody, a half-elf in leather armor, on the opposite side as you had not paid attention to him and he, you're oh, now running towards him. Uh, all right, okay, all right, okay. Rad, you're up. This woman has jumped up in front of you and is w- waiting with you as you've, you're running towards her in her direction. And she has like her blades out, like she's gonna. She attack has her me. blades out. She hasn't. She's just standing there with her head kind of cocked, just kind of looking at you, seeing what you're gonna do. Am I within thirty feet of Shadi, or can I get within thirty? If feet If you of get Shoddy? closer to the woman, yeah, you'll be within range. Um, if you use your movement. Yes, I will definitely get as close as I can to where I can see Shoddy because I know that she has they. the child. She has Bar- Baron. And I'm just going to yell out, Be brave, Shoddy! And I'm going to cast Enlarge on Shoddy. Okay. It's going to become 14 Damn. feet Holy tall. <laughs> I'm now concentrating on that, so I've dropped control water. Okay. Because you've gotten close enough to this woman before you cast it and you're within, uh, I would say, about five feet of her, she does use a, her reaction to uh, use both of her hands to strike at you with the claws and you just hear the raking of of steel against your shell but you don't feel a damn thing it's what the shell's for dude she kind of tilts her head her head was tilted to one side she then just kind of tilts it to the other side that that smile Mm. just kind of like looming and staring at you You got really weird vibes dude (laughs) oh and it's her (laughs) um she is going to yeah she's close enough she's gonna she's gonna try to attack you uh, the first one is a three. The second one is a one. Uh, she just starts to like just rapid fire, like, try to stab at you with her hands. You're just kind of loosey goosey about it. You just kind of move to the side one way, move to the side the other way, and it just keeps raking against the. That tickles. <laughs> you just hear it. You hear the the quickness of her hands, but you just don't. Uh, uh, all you just are managing is just the blocking it with your shell and just keeping her off her toes. But that's about her turn for her. Shoti, you are now have been like enlarged to 14 feet and you're still standing above this half elf who's still standing like right in front of you as he's kind of like watch like tracing his steps all the way up and like you could hear just the tiny cries of uh, of brawn in your as your hand your hand is about the uh, enough size to hold her entirely <laughs> as you just have her cr- cr- covered to it i'll just like cu- i'll just cover against my collarbone and just he is going to first use his bonus action and he's just going to create another copy of himself that kind of manifests into a, a fog into a, uh, an image of that looks identical Ooh. to him. And he's going to push it towards Anchor since he's within his range. And he is going to pull out his halberd and he's going to just attempt to strike you, Shoshi, cool. at your ankle. Ankle bite me, he's let's gonna, go. He's going to ankle bite you. 
Oh, yeah, that'll hit. That's a 24. Boy, does that hit. You are going to take five points of slashing damage, and then he's going to roll a secondary attack, and that is also going to hit. That is a 22. As he's going to kind of take it, take his halberd, um, he's going to first go with the, uh, the pike end. He's going to strike you straight into the thing. As he pulls it out, he's going to flip around and rotate around your large leg and then strike you again in, in the opposite leg with the, the axe face side of his halberd. That'll be eight points of, of damage on that one as he's just striking that while his other form is approaching and walking towards Anchor. You're a creepy little man who makes ghosts. Fuck off. <laughs> Small, you're up. Okay, uh, is the dark, uh, the guy in the dark armor right in front of me still? You and Anchor are still within okay. his, his sight, but you are no longer frightened of him. Okay, so you're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna do, um, so now that I'm in action, okay, I'm gonna do Hour of Reaping again. And that is a, what saving throw, a wisdom? Wisdom saving no, throw. No, he is very high wisdom. All right, well then I get impatient, uh, cause I can get my other action. I'm gonna go ahead and use my breath weapon and you have to do a deck save of 12. No, he doesn't get it. Thank God for that, all right. So I'm going to burn you with, hold on, 14 points of damage. And then I'm going to go ahead and have my bonus action of Fury Blows. 15, does that hit? Hit. All right, got another one. Oh, nat 20, that one hits. Uh, six points of damage for that. Yeah. You you step up in front, like Anchor is taking a position to, uh, of defense and stuff as Shoti's grown into this immense size and, and using that opportunity of both of them stepping in, um, you just let loose a, a flame breath over this over the sky and he's like, to the point where you start to see like his own fucking armor just starting to kind of glow with this like gaze of that breath. Um, and then you just follow it up with just a solid strike into it. He's pretty fucking hurt as he takes uh, a few steps back away from you, Snowball, and has turned his attention to you now. So really quick, I'm going to touch, I'm going to cast Heroism on myself and Chody. You're immune to being frightened now, um, and you gain three temporary hit points. Um, and that's my bonus action. And then I'm going to cast, what did I just say? I think spiritual weapon uh, at third level at the dude. That's going to be... Which which dude? The the dude in the leather armor or the... Uh, the, the, the prime dude the guy in the black, the black armor. armor. Okay. That's going to be a... 17 to hit. 17 oh, hits. So that's it. Is at third level? Okay. Oh, that's only going to be four points of damage. That's okay. What is your spiritual weapon um, look It like? is a huge um, golden sort of... Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it is a golden hand. Um, not to get all <laughs> smashed on everybody, but it, it's a giant golden hand. Um, <laughs> nice. That, you just slapped yeah, that, like, him punches the, uh, the dude. Yeah, he just gets struck with divine energy. The <laughs> hand golden hand. Extremely well manicured. It's a beautiful hand. <laughs> um, it's about to hit the top of the round. Are you guys going to continue to fight these four, or uh, are you guys going to attempt to get to your ship and try to leave? That's As you guys are now not. Yeah, of none of you guys are frightened, and you guys can attempt to make a run as these series of attacks have put this guy in the black armor teetering back and and there's a moment where you could try to make a break for it let's go boys and girls and people 
Make an athletics check. Uh, uh, I want, I want, I like, I'll, I'll see them running and I want to give chase, but I want to do something before sure. I leave. Can I wait to run until after uh, Dark Armor takes his turn? Yeah, you can. Okay. That's a 10. 10, 23. 10. Oh. Not 20 Oof. kids. Hell yeah. Okay. I have a 25 on my athletics. Okay. Um, those who were low, you're on, on the back end of the pack. A shoddy just with one big, large foot just stretches over past everybody and just go and just put, like, you can hear the crunching of, like, wood as they put their foot down onto the docks as the w- wood creaks against the weight of the, just the sheer size as in, like, just two easy steps, just make it to the, the, the red-sailed uh, canoe that's I right mean. there. But as you stand in front of it, you realize that you're 14 feet tall and this boat is just not gonna cut it <laughs> for your size. The rest of you are slowly making your way around with Snaval uh, trailing the back of the pack. Rad, what did you want to do before I started the initiative? So I see, um, I see Shodi making their way to the boat and this whole time this, this person with the mask has been like striking my shell and it's kind of shaking my stomach and I ate a lot of black ink squid pies so I just like involuntarily start feeling sick and I'm going to turn around and just vomit all of this black ink squid pie under her but as it happens it's kind of like in Shin Godzilla where like first a bunch of like magma comes out and then this like high powered um, steam breath comes out and they need to make a deck save (laughs) what's the AC for that. Yeah. Uh, 14. Oh, no. <laughs> so they fail, I assume, by that reaction. Yeah. Okay, so so they take nine fire damage as I just blast them with this hot air. And then uh, once I once I finish like in a belch, I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. And I just start running away towards the go. And, and if I see um, uh, Shoei like getting close to the boat, I'll just uh, drop my enlarge. Okay. Yeah, you just cover her in this steamy black, almost like tar, just from just what's been sitting in your stomach, and it just covers her, and you can kind of just feel the, the burning, and she kind of, like, shrieks out, and so she's kind of trying to wipe all this nasty shit from her face, but that gives you enough time to just break it for the boat, and you see just Shodi's large frame just, like, standing in front of this ship as you cast out and, and brings them back down to their normal size as, yeah. Shodi, you're now able to jump onto this ship. The big guy is going to try to get hit uh, himself together as he's going to now step forward. And Snaval, since you are one of the last people in the group, he's going to try to make his way towards you, and he is going to cast. So, so he moved away from yes. me. Yes, um, you you yeah. can incur an opportunity attack as he's stepping towards you because he's more involved, uh, more enthralled with with Snaval. Okay, and is Snaval within five feet of me? Is is that how close we are? Yeah, because. Uh, she was like right next to you and, um, and stuff, and so she would cross mm-hmm. past you as as she's making her way towards the the docks. Okay, cool. He's gonna cast spiritual weapon on him uh, as well. First, I hit him with my op attack. Sure. I have sentinel, meaning that he can't move in okay. his turn after I hit him on an op. Nice. Um, so he's stuck where he was originally. Okay. He takes um, twelve points of damage. 
Um, nice. And, and that'll just be my reaction. Yeah, you crack that warhammer into him, stopping him in his tracks. He's no longer able to to move forward. And as you kind of look into his helmet, he's just looking back at you. And you can kind of see through that bit of that darkness to see that you can Fuck see yeah. like two human eyes, like two green eyes looking back at you. If he's looking at me, I pull down the headscarf completely. I show him my full face. Oh shit, yeah, okay. They're both looking at They're both looking at each other, both looking at each other. Um, he's gonna cast though a spiritual weapon, which ironically enough, he also has a hand. Hey! <laughs> but it's a, uh, but it's a, it's a gauntlet like hand that's black and, and reddish and that, and he's still gonna try to attempt to strike you, Snival. That is a 17 to hit. He just, the hand just comes straight down on top of you and you take uh, four points of of damage as it just strikes down onto you. Trig, Anchor, Shodi, and Rad, I assume you guys have all are dashing and making your way to the ship. So within your turn, you manage to do that. Can I also, as I'm stepping onto the boat, can I kick a hunting trap out at the entrance to the boat? You wait for everybody to kind of went through as you just pull this hunting (laughs) trap out as you just set it (laughs) right right at the plank in which you can board onto the ship. I hope Anchor doesn't step on it. Does it take all of our movement and action to get there yeah uh, can i s- um you're uh, already on the boat so uh the, you can take an action from the ship if you okay. want to uh, sorry uh, is it my turn yeah i'll allow you to do your turn uh, everybody else is uh, running to make it to the ship um but since you're already there you can do something okay dope since i'm there uh is anyone still in melee range i would say snival i would say snival dude i would yeah, yeah snival would be no no uh yeah no snival would be the closest um as she hasn't taken her turn yet to run cool. Uh, I'm gonna use a uh, firebolt on him, and uh, hold on, I'll see if I hit first. Huh? Nope, that's a nat one. Ugh. That's a nat one. Beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. To, that's a beautiful thing to hear. No. Um, roll me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Roll me yep. a d100. Yep. Yep. Okay. Forty-five. As you cast fireballs, it just fizzles and 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 just bursts, just goes around everybody who's sitting on the ship, and and as everybody is just feels this wave just pulse out of them, you all start to hiccup and uncontrollably just start to hiccup and hiccup and hiccup and hiccup. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Shodi, you feel like a searingness on so on, on that that mark that's on your upper arm as that feels like where it emanated from this energy. But everybody is just hiccuping. Un- I turn I turn to Kenny. I need you to heal me immediately. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> she turns to you holding so her breath and still holds up the contract that no one has signed yet. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> Snowball, as you're as you're trying to make it's way bad. to the uh, to the ship, the half elf is is ra- racing towards you, trying to uh, follow after you. Um, his 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 uh, secondary form is also uh, much closer to you, so he's he's right behind you. You're the last one on this to get on this boat. Uh, okay, well, well, hold on. I got my, uh, I'm going to dash, 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 but I'm going to use my bonus action first, which I can put, like, what is it called? Step of wind to double my speed to haul ass. I'm going to run and jump onto that boat. So, bye. 
as Boy. like you hear the sounds of like a blade trying to swing at you as the halberd is is racing through, but just at that minute you pick up the wind in your feet and you just fucking jump down the staircase, land on the ground, and you just fucking cartoon sprint straight for the boat as you jump onto it. All of you are now on are on the boat. What do you want to do? <laughs> as you now see the other members uh, approaching and running after you guys. First of all, does anyone step on the hunting trap? Oh, hey, uh, hey, Snowball, roll me a <laughs> roll me a quick deck save because you're running so fast you're gonna miss that that hunting trap sitting there. Oh, I uh, twenty one. Even in even in her speed, she okay, she right. sees the danger ahead of her, and she she jumps over it, and she lands in the boat, and she kind of skids across the way. <laughs> Gonna do like that, like jump twirl, and then kind of like on the boat baseball slide and on the deck. Superhero yeah. landing. <laughs> Rad is just gonna find anchor and say, "I'm gonna put my hand on his shoulder and be like, dude, it's time to shoot the curl. Let's get the hell out of here.'" But yes, shoot the curl. And he reaches into his side bag and he okay. takes out the gust stone and he gives it over to Rad. Get that in the mast. We're going. And I go straight to the oar, trying to get it. Rad, down. you grab. Uh, Rad, you grab the stone and you quickly, knowing what its purpose is, it goes and inserts it as the druidic ruins like illuminate on it and the sail starts to pick wind up. And as you guys slowly start to push your way out of this harbor. Nah, that's not gonna miss. Um, you, you see, like, two Eldritch energy blasts just shoot across as you see uh, the woman that, that Rad had puked all over, kind of still smoldering with this, this blackish tar stuff on it, but she's running feverishly after you guys down towards the, the dock area, hoping in an attempt, as well as the half-elf, in an attempt to try to get onto your ship. Rad, roll me a survival check. Yes. Let's see. Oh, 12. As Anchor is trying to steer you guys out, you know that the mass and tilting it in the right direction can also aid in steering it and moving it along. So you, uh, while he's focused on pushing the oar, you go and grab the secondary uh, uh, pulley and you pull it tight as it, uh, as it shifts it sideways as you guys fully are able to turn around. As you do that, you hear a splash as uh, the half-elves had attempted to try to jump onto the ship and just at that right moment, the ship turned around far nice. enough where he misses it completely and he lands straight in the fucking water. As you see the woman standing just with that mask looking at you guys, as you guys have pushed out. Even though you guys have left the harbor, the two ships, the one that uh, Rad had been vortexing, had finally succumbed and sunk to the bottom of this bay. Um, those two ships are still out in the water and they are um, still firing their cannons. As you can kind of see um, like flares and stuff like that, that popping off on the shoreline as maybe drawing attention to those ships that something is afoot. Rad and Anchor, both roll me survival checks as you guys are both helping each other navigate through this bay as there's still a collection of ships. It seems that some of the boats have been, some of the other merchant ships and other boats that have been sitting in this harbor, some of them have been destroyed and are half sunken and, and scattered about this bay. Um, what did you both roll? 320. I rolled a dirty 20. Uh, Excellent. Easy enough. It seems nice. like even both of you in tandem, both being sailors, know how to to navigate and work this way through as you as you all pushing through broken debris and f the fires that have been alighted amongst this water, just illuminating it in a glow. Okay. Um, anybody who's on the ship who's not navigating it, roll me perception checks. 
Rad and Anchor are skillfully navigating you through the through these ships, trying to be as discreet as possible and with as much speed as the gust stone will allow you. Um, the rest of you are just kind of keeping an eye out for anything that seems to be afoot, any other additional danger. Shoti, you do notice that um, it seems that on the larger galleon ships that have been firing onto the ship have made that you see people flagging each other on the on the um, on the deck of the ship as um, you see some people lining up along the edges and stuff like that as they've taken note of your boat. Anchor and Rad, roll me a quick uh, athletics check. A natural 20, so a 20. Uh, 19 for me, uh, athletics. Nice. Um, you, yeah, you guys see a um, couple bolts of fire just firing at you guys as, as members on the top mm. of the ship are taking uh, taking sight at you guys, but you guys both pull tight on your oars and stuff like that and are managing to kind of navigate. This boat is particularly fast, this, this wayfaring canoe, um, is, and able to kind of jut in between. One last, one last athletics check as you guys are going to try to get between these two ships out to the back end and trying to get towards the narrow pass. I rolled an 18. 18? I have a 19. 19? Yeah. That was athletics, right? That was athletics, yes. Yeah, um, nineteen. You guys are pushing forward. You're seeing that the two ships are attempting to kind of barricade you guys together as they're as they're pushing towards because they're they're literally um, like kind of side by side to each other. Um, but you you watch the gust stone and you're and you're you're just waiting for the right moment where it seems to gonna like push an extra bout of like air as you guys tighten up the the reins of the oar and the, and the pulley and you guys just barely he's hearing some scraping on the back end of your ship and against that oar a little bit that kind of off kilters you a little bit anchored but you manage to get between these ships and you guys are on your way out of the narrow path and on the outside of this atoll as yeah. you guys kind of look on nice. like all you can see is the the large rims of the sides of the craggy mountain ring that makes up tengu atoll and just this the, the faint glow of fire as you guys are continuing forward like baron is just still kind of sobbing and she keeps saying something over and over and over again those who speak primordial roll me an intelligence check to see if you understand what she's saying after making that like very narrow escape i'm gonna just slap anchor on the back and be like that's how you shoot the curl dude <laughs> yeah, was very well shot i'm proud of both of us uh you're quite your form's a little sketchy but i'm impressed i'm sorry is the curl some kind of substance that we should know about <laughs> it's what we just shot weren't you listening never mind <laughs> Um, I rolled a, a 16 on that intelligence check for the primordial. Okay. Anybody else speak primordials or just anchor? Who's anchor? Mm. Okay. Um, I'm probably like trying to comfort her and like never having actually hung out with children. Shodi's really awkward and like just like petting the back of her head really awkwardly with her huge fucking You're doing that bouncing head. thing too. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like you're, you're gyrating her just a little too hard just because of your fault. Yeah, like a little bit too hard. But she keeps, she like she keeps muttering this word in between her sobs. Anchor, you kind of pick up on it knowing a little bit of primordial and she's saying the word uh, Teddy over and over again as she doesn't have her uh, her bear with her as you guys continue off into the darkness of the night. And that's where we'll, we'll end today's session.